All sports, all the time. There's heroes and there's legends. Heroes get remembered. Legends never die. This is the Spoken Podcast. Hold your ears, folks. It's showtime. I'm your host, Lance Woodwell. Man, that kid, he can ball, man. He can ball. Touchdown, Kansas City! Man with freaking Mahomes, baby! Uh, let's talk some sports, because that's what we're here to do. You are tuned in to The Spoken. Spoken. This is the Spoken Podcast. I am your host, Lance Twidwell, here with my guy, Eddie Ortiz. Yo, yo, yo. And Trevor Twidwell. How's it going? Guys, we had a uh, we had a full week of news that we were ready to start the show off with. Um, a lot of NFL news. A lot of moves. Uh, teams were very aggressive this year in free agency. This has probably been the craziest uh, free agency spin in just the few, first week of free agency that we've ever seen uh, at the NFL level. So... Uh, it's been a very exciting time uh, as a football fan, as a Chiefs fan, uh, to see how aggressive, uh, in particular, the GM of the Chiefs, Brett Beach, has been. Um, and we're definitely going to touch on that tonight. Unfortunately, there has been some news that has uh, developed uh, later this uh, early uh, later uh, in the afternoon today, uh, around 4 p.m. Kansas City Chiefs beat writer for the Kansas City Star. Brooke Pryor had reported the news that there has been some allegations and an investigation invo- involving Chiefs wide receiver Tyreek Hill, and it has to do with um, abuse and neglect of a of a child, and that child has been confirmed as the son of Tyreek Hill. Now, obviously, when we first heard this news, I'll speak for myself and I'll let the guys speak for themselves as well because that's only fair. But when I heard the news, I was. Uh, I was very shocked and very, very shaken by it. Shaken as a, uh, as a fan, obviously, as, as a Chiefs fan, as a fan of Tyree Kill, but more than that, as a human being, as a, uh, I don't have any, I don't have any of my own children, but I have a daughter, or I have a, I have a sister, an eight-year-old sister, soon to be nine. I have two nieces and I have two nephews. And so, whenever I hear stories like this, regardless if it's a local athlete or an athlete abroad, uh, these stories shake me. And, and it's, it scares me to no end that this could possibly be the case. So my first initial reaction is, holy shit, I, I really hope this isn't true that Tyree Tyre Kill would ever do this to his child. And the second one is, of course, when you start to compartmentalize your thoughts, your thought is, well, do we know it happened for sure? We want to know. Because obviously if he did do it, there will be severe repercussions that come with it as a, as a person and as, a, as an athlete. Mm-hmm. And for me, I... Uh, my initial reaction was I, I I felt like there was a really strong chance that Tyree could do it, un, that he would have done it, unfortunately, because of the fact that he has a track record. And that's not something I like to hold against anybody, but the facts are the facts. He does have a history of domestic violence. And um, even though I thought that, even though I thought that through, and I, I said, you know, there is, there is a, there's no coincidence to me that something like this could happen to his house, at his house, and him possibly being involved. There's a very strong chance that's the case. But as we go through time, as we go through a day, and we live in a very knee-jerk reaction society, uh, a society that reads headlines, not articles, we started to understand a little bit more of the news. And what do you know? TMZ, not a half hour later, comes out with their own report. And I'll read a little bit of it so you guys have a better understanding. I'm sure everybody that's listening to this will uh, already be aware of this, but I'm going to read it just for good measure. 
Kansas City Chiefs superstar Tyree Kill was named in a police report involving an alleged child abuse incident on March 5th. And the Chiefs said, the chief said they're aware of the investigation. Look, the details are sketchy right now, but here's what we know. TMZ Reports has obtained a report from the Overland Park Department filed on March 5th in Kansas City, which lists Hill as a person involved in a child abuse neglect case. There's another person named as an involved party, Crystal Espinal, the mother of Hill's child. Neither person is listed as a suspect on the police report. There is a note on the report that the case was closed, cleared, and prosecution declined on March 8th. Another police report listed on March 14th does not list Tyreek, but names Espinal as an involved person in a battery case involving a juvenile victim. Again, no details, and Hill is not listed as a suspect. The Kansas City Chiefs have issued a comment stating, The club is aware of investigation involving Tyreek Hill. We're in the process of gathering information and have been in contact with the league and local authorities. We reached out to cops who referred to us in the district attorney's office and where a rep told us, quote, we have nothing in our system, unquote. We also reached out to Hill's agent. So far, no word back. So after reading this, and guys, we we were talking through this yeah. entire thing. We were texting each other. And obviously, we were all shaken by it. I think we can all attest to that. Trevor, you have children. Yeah. Uh, my niece and nephew. Eddie, you've, you're very close to your, your nephews. Yep. Um, you know, obviously, the first thing we're thinking is hopefully, like I said, we're, we're not about to hear that Tyreek Hill is, vic- is guilty of this, more because of the fact you don't want to believe someone could ever do that to their children. But when these new, when these, when this developed, it started to really change my mind, and I have to be so careful about this yeah. because these situations are so sensitive. They are so sensitive because you're talking about a child and their injury, but an alleged injury of a child sustained through whatever the case may be. So you have to be sensitive in that fact alone. But you almost have to put that aside and have it in its own category. And look at the football player as well, because whether we want to admit it or not in this situation, as sensitive as this is, there is the football side of it, and we are all Chiefs fans. So we have to ask ourselves, if he is guilty of such things, would you be able to justify it and keep him on your team? And if he's not, what does that say about the media? What does that say about our society being so willing to put a name of someone who has been guilty before? but maybe not guilty now and attaching it to a story in order to get headlines. For me, it, it's sickening either way. Cause if he did it, it makes me sick that he would ever do that to his child. But if it isn't true, it makes me sick that we have people that are so willing to throw people's name under the bus in order to make a story, to grab attention, to get clicks, to make money off of this. And I'm going to be honest with you. I don't know Brooke Pryor personally, and I'm not going to accuse her of anything. Just like I'm not going to accuse Tyreek Hill of anything either. But I will tell you this. That if he if it comes out that he is not guilty in this situation, I have to I have to almost ask that Brooke Pryor would step down and resign from her position because this is defamation of character at the highest degree. So I I've run my mouth enough. I've been very I've been very bottled up, Eddie. You know this. We we got here at the same time, Trev. You just got here, and we are in the Casey Beardco Studios, and we were very. I I didn't want to have to talk about this and even address it, but we have to. And this is a very serious situation. We're not going to sit here and rehash it all night long, but I've given you my thoughts. My thoughts are I'm waiting for the facts, but I'm going to be honest with you. As it stands right now, it does not look like Tyreek Hill has done anything wrong, but I'm not going to take his his side until we know what the facts are. Eddie, what are your thoughts on this? Man, I, I would have to agree with your uh, with your, thought, with your uh, thoughts. Uh, I just, 
there's not enough information to me to uh, for me to go off of uh, other than all these reports and these two uh, police callings or whatever they did. Uh, there's just not much to go off of. If if it if it comes down that it is true that they're making this stuff this stuff up or I mean not making it up but if they're just there putting his name somewhere where it doesn't belong just because he did it in the past you know what I mean just to get those clickbaits like you said it's sickening and I just I I don't want to put uh, Tyreek in that position just now because I don't know any details I I want to know more before I can give out my actual thoughts on what I feel and what, what I think should happen. I just, I guess I don't, I don't, I don't have enough information for me to, uh, to, to put my thoughts out there just yet. Yeah. I mean, with there being two different reports on two different dates, it's just a little odd. Um, one that's closed and then, you know, another, a newer one on the 14th, I believe yesterday. I just don't know if it's the same issue and it's being brought back, you know, cause that's a, that's a, it's a good week, you know, and a half of or plus you know, of time in between those two reports. Um, and one he was involved in. And then this one, he's not even on, he's just being questioned. Um, like I said, I don't really know what to make of it, but be, yeah, being, uh, looking at it from the humane side of it all and being a father of two children myself, um, he, if he is guilty of any of this, if he did, you know, in fact, inflict pain into a child and break this child's arm, or, you know, whatever the accusations are or come out to be, he absolutely deserves everything that's coming to him. You know, whether it's him never being able to play the sport that he loves and making the money that was going to be, you know, guaranteed to him or not, or him just being welcome into a normal society again, because we don't have time for people like that. Yeah. And this is not me casting judgment on him or his character, because that's what's going on right now. And it's not fair to him right now. As far as we know, it's not fair to him right now. But as of right now, I'm not, making a stand on any which way. Um, but right now it's really, really murky. People are jumping to conclusions, of course, reading headlines and jumping to those conclusions. Um, I, I, I just want to find out what the actual story is, what he's being questioned about, who was the, in fact, it's the kid actually hurt. You know, we don't know anything right now and I don't want to go on too long about this, but yeah, I mean, it's, um, it's a shaky subject just for him being, this would be him being a repeat offender. Um, so yeah, I mean that's that's pretty much where I'm at right now. Just I'm just kind of waiting it out, obviously, just like everyone else. Now jumping to conclusions. So yeah, we yeah. we definitely don't want to jump to conclusions because, like I said, there's a a, seri- a severity on either side of this, whether he's guilty or innocent. And what it's I mean by that terrible timing. Yeah, too, and, and because if we're gonna if we're gonna look because social media is very powerful in our society, yeah. and, you know, in our culture. And um, the thing I noticed is that according to what I had seen on Twitter, a lot of people were were tweeting at me. Uh, photos of his child on Snapchat yeah. just last night that at 840 a, right, yeah. where his son did not have a cast on him. And that's the crazy thing is that the initial story was that his son had a broken arm, had a cast on as as of late. Yeah. And that got quickly recanted. I also seen, yeah, I also seen people commenting because I was reading – I like to read the comments sometimes because yeah. you know, I know people are like – you know they'll follow the, to the T of their social media. And people are like posting screenshots of – him being out of town, right? Like the last couple days, San Diego, yeah, yeah and San, San Diego, Diego Zoo, and it's like they were just at the zoo in San Diego. Now it's just like, I mean, I'm not saying in between those snaps and stuff, yeah, it's a three hour flight, happen, yeah. right? So I mean, I'm not, I'm not cutting that out of reality. That could definitely they can get home and think something could have happened, but um, yeah, I don't know, man. I think it's it's odd. Like the timeline is kind of odd right now to what how things happened and what actually happened. And, you know, with well, him being not even being a suspect. Yeah. And, 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 and here's a, I'm going to give a little shout out to a guy. His name's Jared on Twitter. 
uh, at Osho Casey Jared. Uh, he really broke this down really well a couple of hours ago. He said, here are the current uh, deets as reported by KCTV5. March 5th, a police report filed naming both Tyreek Hill and Crystal Espinal for a suspected child abuse, declined to prosecute. Yesterday, March 14th, a police report filed, filed naming only Kristen, Crystal Espinal for suspected battery of a juvenile. Then he then he releases the uh, the uh, police report on March 8th. Right. Prosecution was again de declined on that. He was involved in a brief investigation 10 days ago. The case was closed without filing charges. He is not, not named yeah. in the current ongoing investigation regarding the juvenile battery. So, although, again, this initially looked awful on Tyreek Hill, because, again, it's it's his history for me. Yeah. It's the history of the person. If this would have been some guy on our team that never had any history of this, I would get probably give him the benefit of the doubt to start with. With Tyreek Hill, I didn't. And it's not because I didn't want to. I don't like the guy. I love the guy. But the fact is, is that when you have that on your back and it's there forever, you're not going to get the benefit of the doubt, at least for most people. And so I we need to see the facts first, but I'm not mad at others for feeling the way they do initially because of this. Yeah, and it's just, it's just the way it looks, too. It's right. like, you know, someone being busted for PEDs and then years later being linked to some kind of PED sting, you know, or a steroid sting or something like that. Right. You know, so it's... It's just the it's a bad look and it's extremely bad timing, especially for him and his well being and his life overall. Yeah. Yes. Um, we know, but if he is involved with it, which it doesn't sound like right now, you know, it is what it There's is. There's just too many stories out there yeah. that we don't know where where this is actually leading. Uh, until a good source comes out and confirms either story or comes and comes out and tells us exactly what happened. I mean, we don't we don't know. We yeah. we, we just can't bash Tyreek. Because of his past, I, I mean, I get it, but because of his past, we can't just put it into conclusion. Like, yes, he did it. He broke his arm. He broke his son's arm. He needs yeah, to go. Yeah, yeah. Like, we can't do that. We can't. We can't judge. We can't judge him just just yet. We're all skeptics right now. Yes. that's what it comes down to. Right now, we're all skeptics. We're like, all, you know. Yeah, like so. I said, I don't, I don't want to put any. I don't like. I I don't want to take a stand just yet because I don't know. I don't know anything, pretty much. Yeah, uh, there's nothing out there for me to go off of. And I think it's a little yeah. unfair to uh, automatically associate this or compare it to the Kareem Hunt situation because of the fact that one Kareem Hunt didn't have any known um, issues before that, as far as you know, police being involved with things like that. He it, later on there was things that developed that we found out, you know, about him being in yeah. downtown, getting in fights, things like right. that. But it's there's funny how that works. It, yeah. It's it's tough to it's tough to really associate the two. Now I know the timing is crazy because it's only been within the year that these two guys have you know had this situation. But with Tyreeks, it's it's a very particular situation for him because of the fact that we're talking about a guy that was a couple months away from becoming the richest wide receiver in NFL history. Mm -hmm. So you have to. I, in no way am I defending him, but the timing is really bad because for me, if he was to do something this stupid. It would be before he knew that he was about to get, you know, a fat check. Mm -hmm. So again, I'm not, I'm not excusing it. Maybe he really is that dumb. Yeah. And if he is, then hey, well, I mean, whatever yeah. comes to you, like you said, Trevor, yeah. he has it coming. And some guys like him, he, you know, he's a guy that's been in anger management for legitimate yes. reasons. Yes. Meaning he has impulsive issues. Meaning when he loses his cool, who knows what can happen? We know guys like that that are good dudes, but once they hit a point and they break. It does anything could happen. Yeah. He could be that. We Like you said, we don't know him personally. We don't know how he is really underneath it all. Yeah. Especially, man, being from someone who's married and has had, you know, battles and has been – anytime you're in a serious relationship, there's going to be issues like that. And people handling handle them differently. 
So him having that history with her, you know, having past history with her in these similar situations, you know, it, it's fair to cast judgment on him right now, but we have to, you know, collect the facts and then make our judgment. Yeah, and I, and I will say, just anybody out there that's going to listen to this podcast, if we don't know exclusively what happened by the time this is released, what I will caution or what I will ask of you as a person, as a fan, or just, again, just as a person in general, yeah. don't jump to conclusions. We've all made those We've all made those mistakes. We jump to the conclusions. We say things that end up being wrong, and they end up making us look bad in a situation like this, whether you're on one side or the other. Right. Make sure that you wait until the facts get out there. And I think that's I, – I, I can confidently say that that's where us three are at right now. And I will make mention real quick that we have a very special guest on tonight. Uh, our brother Shaggy Shane Williams is joining <sighs> us tonight. So we're definitely going to get his thoughts on this matter as well. Uh, we have a lot of other Chiefs topics to, to address as well. Um, we have a lot of stuff to talk about, period. A lot of NFL uh, tonight. It's going to be a fun night. Yes, it is. And, and, and I'm glad you said that, Eddie, because I don't want tonight to be very right, you yeah. know, somber. I don't want it to be sad because there's a lot of stuff to be excited about as a Chiefs fan. But this, this is the most important conversation in our city right now when it comes to Chiefs-related anything. We had to address this for at the forefront because, again, whichever side this is on, someone is wrong. Someone is terribly wrong. Whether he was wrong or whether the people that are reporting this to get their clicks were wrong, that someone's going to get a black eye on this one. And as far as what you said, Trevor, with the Tyreek Hill situation, if he does, in fact, if we find out he is guilty of this, yeah. I'm usually somebody, and I, I'm not usually, I'm almost always someone who believes in second chances. Yeah. That you should be able to get a redemption story out of your life. If you do something wrong, you do your time or whatever the case is, and you find your way back. I was a biggest supporter of Michael Vick. Yeah. I, I, I love dogs. And as what he did was horrible, yeah. but he did his two years, got out, made a redemption story of his life. Tyreek Hill to this point has redeemed himself. Well, he had that yeah. horrible situation in college and then redeemed himself and became one of the biggest superstars in football. Him making the league was his second chance. Exactly. It's a zero, you get zero strikes exactly. from there on. So. Exactly. so with that said, as I said, I'm a hundred percent with people getting second chances. I ain't said nothing about no third chances. Yeah. Because for me, if this if this is true and he hurt his son that way or he did that at all, if the NFL says we're done with you, I'm not going to debate them on that. Yeah. Because for me, you had your second chance. You were you had your opportunity to make right what was wrong. And if you cannot live through that, if you cannot standardize that in yourself, you're not fit, you're not suitable for what they should represent as a league. Do am I saying that you shouldn't have the freedom to be a if you're out of jail, you can go out there and make a living. But I don't believe that you should be able to do what you love after you've had multiple opportunities to make right. So that's where I'll stand on that. I'm definitely going to get Shaggy's uh, thoughts on this as well. And we're going to come back in a minute because, like I said, I wanted to dedicate this first segment to our thoughts, us three right here, because I, you know, it's very important to me that I know, because we did not talk about this. Nope. I, I made sure I told you guys, I don't want to know your thoughts on this. We can talk about the facts, but I needed to know what you guys thought here. We need That's what we are about here is authenticity. I wanted to know what you guys thought about this. I'm glad we got this out here. Yeah. And I'm looking forward to hearing people's thoughts. Again, for all we know, news is going to drop in the middle of this. So we're going to react to it as, as we know what we know. And this is what we currently know. We're going to keep updating as this goes on. But when we get back, we're going to have our guy, Shaggy Shane Williams, the big-time guy, the guy that you all know and you all love. He's been a great friend of mine for years, and I am so glad he's finally getting on our show. We're here in the Casey Beard Co. Studios. When we come back, we're getting his thoughts on this and a few other topics Chiefs-related. And we'll be back. We'll be back for that after this. Located in the historic Westport district, 
Modern Man Supply Company is your Kansas City's new home for men's retail. From apparel to pomade and home goods to beard care, they offer a wide range of men's products from independent companies from around the world. Follow them at Modern Man Supply Company on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. The Spoken Podcast, back at it again. I'm Lance Twidwell, your host, here with my guy Trevor Twidwell. What's going on, guys? And we have a very, very special guest uh, in this segment. Um, A guy that, well, needless to say, has been a great friend, uh, an amazing fan, lifelong fan. Uh, A fan, quite honestly, guys, and I don't want to give his age away, but he's been a fan longer than I've been alive, and there's a lot of respect to that. Um, He's seen... All the heartbreak that this uh, <laughs> this team has had to offer over the years. Um, I believe he's been at the last six or seven Chiefs playoff losses, but I don't want to reminisce on all the bad things. <laughs> Shaggy Shane has has Let's definitely not. yeah def- he's definitely made a name for himself amongst the Chiefs community. What I mean by that is everybody knows him and respects him because of the the detail and the, and the the dedication he has to his craft, which is making sure that people always know what's going on in, uh, in, in in Chiefs Kingdom. And so I got a lot of respect for this guy. Even if we weren't close friends, I would definitely love watching his show, and I always enjoy it anyway. We talk just about every day, and uh, he's he's more of a friend. He's, he's actually my brother, so I'm really glad to have him on. Um, Shaggy, thank you so much for coming on tonight, man. How are you doing today? I am doing great. It's great to be in the plush studios of KC Beard Company, <laughs> oh, yeah. breaking down the re- recent KC Chiefs moves, news, rumors. <laughs> Cries, screams, allegations, ceremonies, <laughs> premeditations, menstruation. What is going on in Chiefs Kingdom? Brother Lance, it is great to be oh, in man. and on and above and into the spoken. You got all the angles on that one. I like it, man. I like it. So, Shaggy, obviously, uh, on a serious note, um, we didn't really plan on the show starting off the way it did. I'm not going to rehash on it. Uh, we, Trevor and I and Eddie already gave our our thoughts on the matter. You're fully aware of what's going on. What is what are your thoughts right now as we currently know it to be? What is your thoughts on the Tyreek Hill situation? First off, when the I started my phone started blowing up at about 4:30 uh, this afternoon, I understood the concerns because just today Kareem Hunt was uh, for the Cleveland Browns was notified that he had an eight game suspension suspension mm-hmm. many fans worldwide were curious to see what kareem was going to happen so when this news broke today for tyree kill i understood the concern i understood the frustration his past his character was brought to light when the kansas city chiefs drafted him in the fifth round i did a post-draft show after that on youtube and it was probably one of my shows that had more dislikes than likes mm-hmm. because i was critical of the signing needless to say He's came here and he's been a stand-up individual as it currently stands. I know you guys touched it on your first segment before I arrived to this wonderful podcast. As right now, his name was taken out of the report. Am I correct? Yes, you are correct. As a suspect, yes. As a suspect. And the child's arm wasn't broken. And that it was- is, that's been recanted, yes. So yeah. his, the child's arm's not broken. Yeah, they was a, the, the initial report was that his arm was broken. And then they showed pictures from his Snapchat from the night before this all came out, which was last night. Uh, that there was no broken arm. The child was playing around, having a good old time. Uh, they were watching Netflix together. So yeah. that's been recanted by the initial reporter, Brooke Pryor, from the Kansas City Star. So who broke the story? Was now, it, was it, was, it, it was the Kansas City Star, yes. So the Kansas City Star broke the story and uh, put it out to the masses worldwide, and now Kansas City Chiefs is in full-on panic mode. Mm-hmm. I will say this. Let's all take a deep breath and relax until we get the facts. Like I said, I know Chiefs fans are screaming concerned. I know Chiefs fans are scared because when the Kareem Hunt news broke in November of last year, two hours later, 
He Gone. was cut. Yeah. And but there was damning evidence. TMZ did everything they could to make sure we all knew that. So mm-hmm. with the situation, it sounds like it's backing up off 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 of Tyreek Hill. So let's let's let the situation uh, run its course. I'm really glad you brought that up about needing to relax because I think there is a certain level of anxiousness with Chiefs fans because, like right. you mentioned, the, the Kareem Hunt situation being still so fresh in our minds and in our hearts because a lot of fans loved him. And he, quite, let's be honest, he's a damn good running back. Um, but also be, because of what we talked about in the first segment, you know, Tyreek does have a past. We do know that he has a past in this type of uh, this type of allegation. So there is that cause for concern. So I understand why people would be so quick, even if it is wrong to do. I understand why there is that initial surge. Because like I said, on our first segment, I was one of those people, right? I was like, you got to be kidding me. He really did this right now. Months from way, months from being the richest wide receiver ever. Right, right. That's very, I would say weeks or days. Right, yeah. exactly. Yeah, so yeah. the point is, is that he was on his on the way. So why would you do that? And so my initial reaction was negative. But as like we talked about, as the news has started to develop and as it continues to develop, and our guy Eddie is looking right now uh, for any breaking news, and when it comes, if it does come, we will stop the show and talk about it. But I think that there is obviously a lot of headline, headlining, you know, headline reading more than our oh, reading, yeah. understanding the A source. lot of jumps to conclusions for sure. I mean, that's... And, th- and that's yeah. understandable because the Kansas City Chiefs fans fear. Yeah. A lot of, oh, lot yeah. of, a lot of fans think, and I don't want to spend any much time talking about Kareem Hunt, but I will say this: There's some Chiefs fans that believe, well, if we had Kareem Hunt, we probably wouldn't went to the Super Bowl. That's neither here nor there. Yeah. But I understand the Chiefs' fear. But as seconds turn minutes, and minutes becomes hours, and we found out about this Tyreek Hill situation four hours ago, I'm willing to uh, put it in the back burner because it seems like it's backing off. Yeah. Quickly. Well- well, now that we've addressed all that, and like I said, I don't want to spend the entire show talking about this because we don't know the fact. We don't know all the facts yet. And quite frankly, we have a lot of news to get to. Exactly. A lot of good stuff. Well, hopefully, yeah. hopefully good stuff. And you know so, 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 Shane, that's why I'm glad you're on here, man, because you've got a great following. And a lot of people have been asking you about these questions, about you know the moves that the Chiefs have been making, whether it's the cuts, whether it's the trades, or whether it's the signings. Now, Shane, we can go down the list of all the things that have happened. We can go down it real quick. You know, the Chiefs have cut Justin Houston. The Chiefs released Eric Berry. The Chiefs traded D Ford. They signed Tyron Matthew. They've signed other players like Okafor uh, from the Saints. You know, they've made some moves, and they've been very aggressive with these moves. Shane, what are your thoughts so far on the moves that the Chiefs have made, and how do you differentiate between Brett Veach and John Dorsey? Which one would you rather have right now? And and also – Give the people a little bit of the story that you and I encountered with Clay Windler in 2017's training camp with one Brett Beach. First off, the defense. As I mentioned on my Shaggy Shane YouTube, immediately following the AFC Championship game, it needed to be completely rebuilt. It needed to be completely scrapped. It needed to be completely trashed. And thank God it happened. I know fans are upset and they are scared about losing Justin Houston, Eric Berry, and D Ford. I understand the concerns, but it had to change. Yep. The last time the Kansas City Chiefs had a home playoff lost loss and were the they gave up 38 points. Let's face it, the New England Patriots, if there was an NFL rule to kick the extra point in overtime, it would have been 38 to 31. The last time the Kansas City Chiefs lost a home playoff game, 38 to 31, was against the Indianapolis Colts 15 years ago. Immediately after that game, Carl Peterson demanded Dick Vermeil to fire, then Defensive coordinator Greg Robinson. Gunther Cunningham was re-brought back 
And everybody remembers Gunther Cunningham's history from the 1990s and his two years as a head coach. We were thrilled. We thought, yes, Gunther Cunningham is coming back to be the defensive coordinator for the Kansas City Chiefs. He's going to bring Greg Robinson's defense. He's going to take it to a new level. He, Greg, Gunther Cunningham is going to bring this defense back to a new level. Well, what happened in 2004? In the second round, the Kansas City Chiefs drafted Junior C of E. So they took a defensive tackle in the second round. What they did with that roster, Gunther, Gunther Cunningham took the 2003 roster, which had Eric Hicks as defensive end along with Eddie Freeman and Ryan Sims. Linebackers were Kavika Mitchell in the middle with Scott Fujita, Donnie Edwards, and his cornerbacks were Dexter McLeon and Eric Warfield. Shernard Hartz and Jerome Woods brought up the back end of the safety. Guthrie Cunningham had to work with Greg Robinson's defense, and we thought, well, that's all we need to do is just get Gunther Cunningham. Guthrie Cunningham took over the 2004 defense, which was basically the 2003 roster, and in week one, Quentin Griffin, a Denver Broncos running back, gashed Gunther Cunningham's new defense. And we thought, oh, man, this sucks. Quentin Griffin rushed for over 240 yards. And in the 2004, the Kansas City Chiefs finished 7-9 and missed the playoffs. Gunther Cunningham did not get his players because he had Greg Robinson's players. When you change defensive coordinators, what you need to do is give, let the defensive coordinator and change the Get a clean slate. Yep. Let's let it go, folks. Let's let it go. With Steve Spagnola's team, what he has to do is come here, revamp the defense, get his players, get his scheme, get his regime. Let that take over and guide the new era for the Chiefs' defense. That's what we need to do going forward. I, I 100% agree. I, and here, that, that he's, he's laying the line down with all the details. I really appreciate that, man. Yeah. And very few people – can remember like you do. I mean, we talk all the time, dude. And you're always talking about, you know, third and seven on the 42 yard line in 1993. Yeah, you broke my heart and rebuilt it like five times. <laughs> and and week four, you know, like this, <laughs> this is why I love having you on, Shane, because this is what we need to hear, man. And, and I'm really glad too, because I feel like a lot of Chiefs fans have been very reluctant for change, even though they know that change was necessary. They knew that Bob Sutton needed to go. Mm -hmm. So when he went, they thought, oh, this is great. You know, we're changing the scheme. But once they saw that the new players needed to be added and old players needed to be removed, all of a sudden people got a little, wait, wait, wait a second. They didn't understand that when, with a new scheme, with a new DC comes new players. Yeah. So we were in full support of that. And when I say we, I mean the show. We were totally in support of that. I know you've been as well. Clay's been in, as well. But I understand where people are coming from because they're afraid that you let go of good players. Maybe they'll go on and contribute to somewhere else that, that can actually end up being – uh, a benefit for somebody that could take out the Chiefs in the playoffs. So I understand all that, but you can't worry about that. Correct. You have to worry about where the team is now, where they're headed to. And we got, like you, in your own words, Patrick freaking Mahomes. Baby. Yeah. You know, baby. We, have, we have that. That's the difference maker. That's why guys like Tyron Matthew decided not to go back to Houston and go to Kansas City oh, because yeah. he knew he had that guy on his side. This is an actual quote of oh, his. Oh, yeah. Stating, he made it very clear. He made it very clear. I don't want to play against this guy. Yep. I want to play with him. So, that's the beautiful thing about what we got here now in Kansas City is the fact that we have the difference maker. Mm -hmm. And I'll be honest with you, Tyron Matthew was not even on my board. And we talked about this. The reason why this was is because I was so certain he was staying in Houston. Yeah. All the reports out of Houston were saying that, yeah. oh, he's staying. There's no question about it. And then all of a sudden we hear that he's signing a $42 million deal, $26.5 million guaranteed. For three years and can't say, I mean, I'm losing my crap, man. It's yeah. amazing. So this is the kind of stuff I like to see. Now, I want to get both you, Trevor and Shane's thoughts on a few of these moves. Now, despite the fact that we all, I think, can agree that D Ford needed to be traded or they needed to try to trade for him, a lot of people didn't like what they got in return. What I mean by that is the Chiefs. They got a second-round pick 
in the 2020 draft out of the, for San Francisco. Now you can say that's probably going to be a very valuable pick. You can also say that the Absolutely. Chiefs are never going to see that. They're never going to see that pick. They're going to use it to trade up in the draft. But what were your thoughts on it? Were you okay? And I'm going to start with you, Trev. Okay. What were your thoughts on that move? Did you agree with what they got back in return? Oh, yeah. I think we fleeced them. I think the the Niners are silly for, for giving, especially extending him like that. Um, us getting, I mean, I think that pick is going to go directly to flipping it and moving up to the first round. Top 10 picks, I believe, is probably what we're going to try to do. Um, I think I think Veach has proven to be um, an aggressive GM, a young GM. So I think that's what we're probably going to do. And I, yeah, I'm, I'm all, I was all for the trade. He's shown us one year of productivity and health. Um, and for him to go over there and get extended like that is, I'm glad someone else did that and gave him that much money. So I really like it. Yeah. I know a lot of people were worried about it because they wanted the 36th pick from the 49ers and understand the chief's concerns, why they would want that because it's a sexy pick, mm-hmm. but the chiefs had like going back to what I said earlier, Spagnola had to work it into his system. And if D four doesn't work in his four, three system, it's a move you had to make. And at right. the time it freed up what seven and a half, 14 million. What did it, specifically for Ford. I believe it actually, I think it actually uh, freed up more than 15 million. Yeah. If I'm, so if I'm not wrong. If yes. it freed up, if it freed up cap space, you got a second round draft pick and an extra one in next year's draft, as well as this, it does free up the right. ability to move forward and to get onto the point of John Dorsey versus Brett Beach. Yeah. Something yes. that I wanted to touch on, mm. you know, because John Dorsey, you know, when he came to Kansas city, we were excited, but there's some things that he did immediately from jump that when he took over, when the, Six years ago this week, John Dorsey made Dwayne Bowe one of the highest paid wide receivers in the league. John Dorsey made Dustin Colquitt the highest payer in the league and Ryan Suckup the highest kicker in the league. He also pressed up, he maxed out the cap Well, later on, which you and I have alluded to on the Shaggy Shane Show numerous times, but by losing the negotiations with Justin Houston and Eric Berry. Brett Veach is getting ahead of this. And if he felt like, you know, if I'm in a situation with D Ford's going to put me in a situation later where I can't extend Tyreek Hill or Chris Jones, I need to take care of this cap space now because John Dorsey lost those negotiations. John Dorsey put the chiefs in cap hell. And a lot of people on social media are giving John Dorsey credit. Like, wow, look how John Dorsey's doing with the, with the, look what he's doing in Cleveland. Oh my gosh. John Dorsey was the man that brought the, the Browns, their quarterback and Patrick Mahomes, you know, and, and I just think, you know, <laughs> we, we talked to Brett, Brett Veach ourselves, as I've mentioned on my Shaggy Shane show, Brett Veach came up to us and no, we don't have any media ties. We don't have any media credentials. We don't hang with Brett Veach. We were on the East side of the field doing the Shaggy Shane uh, training camp recap show, July 31st, 2017. And Lance and I just got done talking and Brett Veach came up to me, Clay and Lance. And it was cool as cool as can be. He commented on Clay Winler's number 15 jersey and said, man, I really like that jersey. I said, hey, thanks, Brett. Thanks for coming up and talking to us. <laughs> and I said, that number 15 jersey is the reason why us three are standing here. And he said, get ready because that number 15 is going to surprise some people. And he later on, he went into Patrick Mahomes coming to Kansas City was two years in the making. So I decided to play dumb. I thought, well, shoot, if Brett Veach is going to come here and start talking, I'm going to be silly and, and kind of play dumb and say when Brett Veach says, I responded immediately to that to saying, what do you mean? It's two years in the making. It means we got to wait two years for Patrick Mahomes to play. He said, no, bringing Patrick Mahomes to Kansas City was two years in the making. I watched him play at Texas Tech for two years. I scouted him. And Brett Veach didn't have to tell three 
Chiefs Migos about that, but he laid <laughs> it on the line. And what did you think of that Brett Veach talking to us, Lance? I was pretty surreal. I'll be honest because I'm going to be real with you guys. I didn't, I didn't recognize him. I'm a little jelly to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't recognize him. I, he was he was the new GM right then and there. Like you know, I didn't really know his face. I knew the name. Just recognize he, those calves. Yeah, I knew. I knew he came from. <laughs> I knew he came from the Eagles organization. I knew all that, but I did not know the guy. And so that was um, it was very revealing because you had said, "Dude, that's the new GM of the Chiefs, guys." Yeah. Like you know, you got me all amped up, and I'm like, "Man, this guy really just like laid it down for us," you know. And I, I know you say you don't know him that well, but you like to post that photo you two together. So I think a lot of people <laughs> think you guys are buddies. So I, know, I get that all the time. I'm just throwing that out there, there, Shane. But but I, I think I think you're right. I mean. The thing about John Dorsey that upsets me is I think he's so smart. The guy knows football. He knows oh, yeah. talent. You can't debate that. Dude knows talent. Oh, yeah, yeah. But he is so, and I mean so bad with the cap. Really, really bad. Mm-hmm. And he put us in a cap hell. I mean, look what he did with Justin Houston and Eric Berry. Talk right. about losing those negotiations. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So that that was uh <laughs> that was tough to 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 uh, swallow for a while. But as far as Brett Beach, I mean Going into this offseason, I, I was very critical of him. I thought that last year's draft wasn't very good. I thought he had a lot of problems on his hands. I don't think he did very well, given he didn't have a first-round pick because of the Patrick Mahomes trade. Right. I'm giving him that much cushion. But I felt like Breland Speaks didn't really fit the system at the time. He's going to this year. Yeah, and, and that's the beautiful thing is now that's yes, working. Sir. But at the time, you can understand why I had my problems with yep. it initially. But with that considered, I think that Brett Veach has shown us that He's got what it takes to be a GM, at least to this well, point. Well, I think he recognized, too, that D, I think in like, the way I recognize it and I see it, why it was so easy for us to say goodbye to him was, one, he has no bill of health at all, he, and he's proven nothing until the, the the time he was due to get his money, he showed out. But I think the majority of his success be, came because of the uprising of Chris Jones. I think Chris Jones being that guy in the middle, pushing the pocket in the middle, allowed D Ford and Justin Houston to have as good of years as they had. Because we'd seen them before Chris Jones, before we had a middle bull rush up the middle, before we had Chris Jones being Chris Jones, they weren't getting to the quarterback. Yeah, we led in sacks, but it showed nothing. Our defense was still nearly dead last. So we're getting all those sacks for nothing. I think the, I think the most, I think he was carried by Chris Jones. A lot, I mean, I'm not totally discrediting all his success. He had a good year. He got his money. Congrats. But I do believe that a lot of his success became, came from the back of Chris Jones. Chris I, Jones is the man. Yes. On the, he's the heart and soul. He's the Absolutely. new foundation. He's what the fat defense is. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Let's look at Chris Jones. What happened in the, when the Chiefs were up 21-3 to three mm-hmm. against the Tennessee Titans at, at, at halftime? The very first play of the second half, Chris Jones is out the rest mm-hmm. of the game. We all know what happens. We couldn't stop the freaking running game of the Titans. They mm-hmm. won 22-21. to 21. In the third, Late in the third quarter, AFC Championship game, Chris Jones injures his ankle. Yep. He tries to come back and return. Chris Jones did not play in overtime. Right. What happened in overtime? Ah. Three third and tens. Tom Brady completed because there was no pass rush. I know Bob Sutton deserves a lot of that blame because mm-hmm. he didn't look and He didn't say, adjust. Yeah, he didn't adjust. He didn't say, I don't have Chris Jones out there. I'm going to blitz the right. safety. Did he do that? No. Nope. He stayed to the same vanilla form, but Getting back to the point, Chris Jones is important, and get back to the point about Brett Veach. I believe Brett Veach will recognize that Chris Jones is the foundation of this defense, and we'll give him the contract extension that he oh, does yeah. deserve right now. And I think Brett Veach will take care of that. He won't get in a situation where he'll tag him and wait till his final year, where he asks for an insane price, which John Dorsey would lose in those negotiations. Mm-hmm. Uh, I believe that it is time that we take care of Chris Jones. Well, and I'm glad you bring that up because I think it's now a foregone conclusion that Chris Jones is going to get his money. Uh, a lot to do, I think, with the Tyreek Hill news, regardless of what the outcome is. I think that they're going to probably wait on that one a little bit now. Uh, and I do think Chris Jones is more than deserving 
uh, having you know having the sack amount that he had at the position he had. Yeah. Uh, that's was almost, it 11 straight games. Yeah, straight 11. Games? I mean, he set the NFL, set record. NFL record. So, yeah, Chris Jones is by far he is our Aaron Donald. If I'm dude. giving anybody money on this team yeah. right now, besides Patrick Mahomes, it's Chris Jones Absolutely. because he is the heart and soul of that defense now officially. Yeah. Um, and, and real quick, um, get, get a couple of thoughts and we can roll into the next segment with this if that's OK. But um, getting your thoughts on on Justin Houston and Eric Berry, what they meant to this team. Um, and and if you can encapsulate Eric Berry in particular, what what would you kind of describe the Eric Berry era as in Kansas City? Because for me, it's very tough to understand it. It's very it's very hard to um, put it into words because there's so much good. Especially, I always think when I think of the the highlight of Eric Berry's career, I always think of 2016, coming back from cancer, winning comeback player of the year, an All Pro safety, having probably his greatest season of his career, and then the next season tearing his Achilles within two quarters of that of that first week. And it's been downhill ever since to the point they had to cut him. Shane, Trev, you guys give me your thoughts. What 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 is Shane starting with you? What are your thoughts on Eric Berry in particular? And if you want to throw in a little Justin Houston action, definitely do that too. Eric Berry's first class. Loved it. Loved it when we drafted him. He's heart he was heart and soul of the defense. He was the leader. He was the vocal leader. Everybody looked to him as being a leader. And that's something we have to depend on with Tyron Matthew. And that's what's scary. You lose Justin Houston and Eric Berry on this team, who's going to be the leaders right now? It is Tyron Matthew. Mm -hmm. Can Chris Jones step up and be that later? But get to the point specifically to answer your questions about Eric Berry, first class, amazing, great guy on and off the field. It was terrible when he had cancer because you, you, you prayed for him and won the best for him because you never want something like that to happen to anyone. But when it's your team, you, Definitely put your feelings for the team on hold, but he did come back, and uh, it was great that he came back and played at such a high level going into the 2016. I wanted him to have that deal because he had to have that contract, but John Dorsey kind of screwed that deal up, but we've already been over that. I'm going to miss Eric Berry, the leader. I'm going to miss Eric Berry, the team defensive team captain, but he wasn't the same. He wasn't the same when you looked at the AFC Championship game. Gronkowski schooled him. He shot the wrong gap on the 11-yard touchdown run with three minutes and 38 seconds left on fourth and one at the 11. And there was a hole a mile wide for the touch, the running back for the Patriots to run it in. It, it broke my heart to see him play so bad yeah. because during player introductions, when the Chiefs introduced Justin Houston and Eric Berry back-to-back, I started tearing up because I thought this is what we waited for our entire life. Right. But I'm going to miss Eric Berry, the leader. I'm going to miss Eric Berry, the safety. I wish him the best going forward, but it was time to move on. Yeah. I mean, plain and simple, you nailed it on the head. His production didn't match the pay. Um, we're saving 9.5 million by letting him walk. Um, and that can definitely go towards, you know, bringing in Tyron Matthew who I think is barely about to be 27 years old or 27, right? He'll be 27 by the season. Right. By the so season's beginning. a kid that's production has been out the roof and when he's healthy, he's an absolute star. Um, but yeah, Eric Berry, as much as I love him, I mean, I got a whole list of all his accolades that he's produced for the chiefs, you know, as uh, you know, it's five time pro bowler, three time, first team, all pro NFL comeback player of the year, 2010 All-Rookie Team, NFL Top 10 Player, 2011, 2004, 2016, 2017, two-time AFC Defensive Player of the Week, 440 tackles, 55 sacks, 14 interceptions, three forced fumbles, 50 pass deflections, five defensive touchdowns, um, most solo tackles in a single game in 2014, which was 14 in a single game. I mean, the guy has done, been the heart and soul of this defense for, you know, 
years. It sucks to see him go. It's an end of an era. I have his jersey. He knows one of my all-time favorite Chiefs. Um, loved him since we drafted him. I wanted him so bad, and I was so happy when we drafted him. Um, but it's time to move on. Yeah, you know this production's been down, and uh, you know it is what it is. And it's time for a new young core to come in here and, and uh, build Beach's team. So yeah, and I know we're I know we're almost up against it. We'll we'll talk a little bit more. Obviously, we're going to talk more Chiefs in the next segment. But um, I was one that actually wanted both these guys to be extended when they did. Uh, I, I believe that that yeah. uh, Justin Houston's uh, contract situation was was done poorly, and again, this is on John John Dorsey and what we just talked about yeah. with his mishaps. Mm-hmm. Um, I was very happy they paid him, and of course, he gets injured. Never the ever you know ever since that injury, that knee injury in Buffalo, it was never the same. So it, it really sucked. But I, I, if we can go back again, I would have paid Justin Houston again because what he what he brought to the team, the fact this guy was all team, all heart. I love that. Uh, you know, you can use that as a cliche, cliche. Doesn't matter. This guy was incredible while he was here. Uh, fourth all time in chief sacks. This is a guy that yep. I will always remember and I will always love. And I always use the hashtag pay 50 when he got his money. Cause I was so happy he got paid because oh, yeah. these are people yeah. and he worked his ass off to get what he got. Mm-hmm. Eric Berry, same thing. When we drafted him, I believe it was fifth overall in the 2010 draft. Correct me if I'm wrong, Shane. Right. I was very, very excited because this oh. guy was a freak out of Tennessee. And I knew he was going to bring some nasty to this well, defense. And I love, Taylor, you know, yes. And yeah. I love nasty on D. I love that. I love seeing guys come in here and hit people hard. And that's what he did. And he showed no remorse. And he came in here guns blazing day one. Mm-hmm. Ultimate leader at 22 years old, 21 years old, actually. Guns blazing. And I loved him from the first day. He's a chief legend, man. Unfortunately, yeah. injuries and in his body yeah. gave up on him. Yeah. Cancer tried to take him, not as a football player, as a human. He fought back, and yep. I will forever respect him for that. Yep. The tough thing for me, though, as a fan of Eric Berry and as a Chiefs fan is this. I feel like uh, after that Achilles tear in New England, it wasn't just his Achilles that left him that day. I think a lot of his, I'll just say it, his spirit, spirit. Mm-hmm. his spirit left him. Exactly. It's, it's, a, it's a psyche thing, man. It's some yeah. mental block. And that's and that's what, I, unfortunately, I'm going to have to remember about Eric Berry is because it's the, yeah. what have you done for me lately? Right. And as much as I love the guy, as much as I love the player, unfortunately, I will have to always remember the statement, it wasn't in my spirit to come back. Yeah. And that is what I, unfortunately, will have to remember. So as much as I love him, I'm going to have to, unfortunately, believe, rack this up in the bittersweet department. And that's where we're going to have to leave it. And, and you know what? The way I see it is, as, as, as much as I would love to see those guys win a ring in Kansas City, as much as I would love to see those guys in the ring of honor, whether it happens or not, yeah. I guess they'll just have to do with being in the parade next February. <laughs> so we're going to come back in a second, guys, because we have, like, again, we have a lot to talk about. I'm in here in the Casey Beardco studios with my guy Trevor Twidwell, Eddie Ortiz, and our special, special guest, Shaggy Shane Williams from the Shaggy Shane Show. When we get back... We're going to talk a lot about this Tyron Matthews situation, this signing, because this is a big, big deal for Kansas City, for the Chiefs, and the future. Not just not just the present, the future of the Kansas City Chiefs defense. We'll get to that after this. Casey Hardgoods is the brainchild of local Kansas City degenerate Scott Reinerson. Born from a passion of old materials and custom designs, specializing in reclaimed wood, burned art, and signs, and upcycled leather wallets and accessories. Follow Casey Hardgoods on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Wasteland Society, an apparel brand inspired by the underground, the weird, the youth, post-punk, 80s and 90s pop culture, and the idea of living life on the opposite end of the spectrum to the fullest. Hand-printed in Kansas City using an eco-friendly printing process on sweatshop-free garments that are ethically made in the USA. Find them. We are Wasteland Society on Instagram. 
Back at it on the Spoken Podcast. I'm your host, Lance Twidwell, with my guy, Trevor Twidwell. How's it going, guys? Eddie Ortiz and our special guest, Shaggy Shane Williams. What is up, Kansas City and worldwide <laughs> fans of all ages? There we go. There we go. So yep. addressing everyone across the board. So as I alluded on the end of our last segment, we are going to touch on the hottest, newest toy on the Chiefs team on the roster. It is safety, Tyron Matthew. Very, very exciting to, to see the Chiefs make this type of move. Again, as I said er, stated earlier, I had no idea this guy was even on our radar and come to find out he was their number one priority, according to a lot of sources that I trust and believe. Um, I didn't believe he was going to be on the radar because I didn't think that the Texans were going to allow him to leave at all. And it, according to everything I'd seen, once he signed, J.J. Watt, Bill O'Brien, all the guys in, in, from the Texans were saying, man, we're going to miss this dude. And they weren't saying it. They were not you know, glossing it over to be nice. They were being very detailed with why they're going to miss this guy and why Bill O'Brien was very upset they lost him. And I think we're going to discover that very quickly in Kansas City as to why. Because this guy brings a lot of things the Chiefs needed. According to what we had, what I have read, he played over 99% of their snaps last season. Yeah. Now, he's had some injury concerns. He's missed 14 games in his career. But that was all earlier in his career. He's gone right. back-to-back seasons of at least 16 games. Didn't he have an ACL? I believe he had an ACL in 2014. That, yeah, okay. That was but, the big one. But right. see, even but even with that considered, he bounces back in 2015, has arguably his greatest season up to date yeah. with his most interceptions, most passes defended. So this guy has answered back, and this is the best part about it. As you alluded to earlier, Shane, you stated about his leadership and how we needed that next guy because Eric Berry was that guy for the longest time. Justin Houston was a big part of that as well. But now Tyron Matthews is taking over that mantle. So he's not just a football player here. He's a man amongst other men and he's trying to lead these other men yeah. as we regroup and replenish this new style and this new regime of defense on the Kansas City Chiefs led by Steve Spagnolo. So I want to get your guys' thoughts. Shane, I'm gonna start with you. What are your thoughts in, in totality about the the Tyron Matthew signing? Obviously I know you're probably excited about it, but are there anything at all that you might be concerned about? I'm not concerned about anything. I, I love the kid. I love what he brings to the I love the fact that you can that He's not just a box safety. He's somebody that can play the nickel. He's somebody that can that can play the tight end. He's somebody that you can play deep in the backfield. And like I said on the last segment, he's a leader. You, we need his leadership qualities because we lost Justin Houston and Eric Berry. He's somebody that the team on defense can go to. And Patrick Mahomes was asked specifically, I heard this on the radio driving home last night, what does he think about Ty Ron Matthew coming to Kansas City? And all Patrick Mahomes said was, I need this guy to run my defense. Mm. And if that doesn't speak loudly Ooh. and clearly yeah, of who the leader is of this team, it's Patrick Mahomes, obviously. But if any other Chiefs quarterback in my lifetime, I don't think if Matt Castle or Alex Smith would have said that about anybody on defense wouldn't carry that weight. But that not only carries that weight about Patrick Mahomes, it carries that weight about Tyron Matthew. I love his versatility. I love his leadership. And I love the fact that Patrick Mahomes is already saying, we got our guy. What do you think, Trev? Um, man, like you said, he's, he's not just your typical safety. The guy can play slot corner. The guy can, you know, he can, he's a blitzer. He can get in there, he can bruise you. He can take it, you know, take a quarterback down. Um, and as Beach has already stated, he's the ultimate chess piece. When your GM saying something like that, someone being the ultimate chess piece, and you went out and got him, and you were wanting to get him last year, or, you know, you were, he was one of the guys you were eyeing last year and, and the ultimate guy that you wanted to get leading into this year. I feel nothing but confidence, man. We, we got the guy that we wanted. Our GM it got the guy that's going to be our change of pace guy, the guy that's going to bring in this new wave of young talent. It's exciting, man. It's, 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 
it's exciting to know that we're going to have a new vocal leader back then. As much as we're going to miss Eric Berry, we got this young, fiery stud. As long as he's healthy, he's going to make some big, big changes and he'll thrive, I think, in this, in this new scheme. Um, and the fact that he chose and made it very clear that he chose Patrick Mahomes over Deshaun Watson just kind of just kind of tickles yes. my fancy a little bit. Yes. You know, they're coming in the same draft. Everyone's like, oh, the Chiefs made a mistake taking Patrick Mahomes. And now Patrick Mahomes is stealing guys away from Deshaun Watson. It's right. beautiful, man. Right. I freaking love it. Um, and uh, and this kind of reminds me, too, of like, remember when um, uh, Manny Sanders came and visited us and then he ultimately went to the Denver Broncos because oh, yeah. Peyton Manning went there. It kind of feels that way now with having Patrick Mahomes in, on our team, stealing guys away from other teams or choosing to come play because we know they have a better chance of going to get some hardware. It's beautiful being that team, man. I freaking love it. Yeah, it's, yeah. it's kind of in comparison. I, I, I'm giving Patrick a lot of praise on this one, but I think it's deservingly so, even though he's only played a full one full season. Right. It's a lot like the LeBron James MVP factor. season. It, yeah. it, it's a lot like that where you have a lot of these veteran guys that know that, you know, I've, I've made my money or I've made a good amount of money. I want to get a championship or yeah. I want my, I want the best chance at a championship. Who, who do I want to attach myself to? Yep. And it seems like a lot of these guys are jumping on the Patrick Mahomes bandwagon right. as, as it should be. Granted, we paid more than they were willing to pay, but well, that te- shows technically, how yes, was. technically, yes, right. Not uh, by think, much, but I think it was just by per year. Yeah. I don't think it was in totality. Cause I think they were willing to give him a longer contract. See, that's what I was, what I was going to bring up is yeah. I really like the fact that chiefs managed to get them on a three-year deal. See, for me, I love those deals that keep guys while they're in their 20s. Oh, yeah. I don't like these contracts that are paying guys into the 30s. When he's hitting 30, he's going to be yes, ready like, to – Yes, like when the Chiefs yeah. sign Chris Jones, when the contract's up, he's not going to be in his 30s yet. Right. If if and when Tyreek Hill gets his deal, he won't be in his 30s yet. Like a lot of these guys are going to be very young. Tyron Matthew won't technically be in his 30s yet when this contract does come up. Or even Pat Mahomes when his 200 mils spent. <laughs> right. He's going to be nearing 30. Yeah, it's be, it, and he, obviously he's going to most likely, you know. Well, he'll never stay. see the end of right. this next contract because they'll extend him again. True, true. But, and that's just going off of our assumption that he's going to be continue to be the great god of Zeus, you know, right. Zeus that he is. <laughs> so uh, a couple things, though, I, I want to get down is because initially I thought that the guaranteed money on Tyron Matthew's uh, contract was $14 million. Mm-hmm. I was off on that one. That's actually a signing bonus. What his actual guaranteed money is is twenty six point eight million, which is actually very good if you think about it, because you're paying him less than ten million a year in guaranteed money, so they can front load that and pay him all the guaranteed money in the first two years. And if let's say he was to you know start to show any type of decline, they can get rid of him, kind of like they did with Eric Berry. It's a business, let's yeah. be honest. And I mean, like I said, I looked, at, I looked, at, I was studying him all week long, and there's so many notes I have right here. I told you guys about these notes that I have. I'm not going to go into all of it, mm-hmm. but back to back seasons of sixteen games is a great sign. If oh, yeah. he were if he was coming off a year of 10 games or a couple years where he missed 5 6 games at a time, I'd be very nervous about this one cuz a lot is riding on his success. Yeah, and we're not hearing about anything lingering either. You know, he's a young guy, he's healing a lot faster than normal. Yeah. You know, not hearing about anything lingering or him having to play through certain pain is a good thing too. Yeah, and so I asked you guys, you know, if there was anything that you're worried about with this one. It, it, it took me a lot to find anything that I didn't right. like about this one. And it isn't even that I don't like, it's just maybe a concern. I came up with three things. Yeah. <laughs> uh, the first one, obviously, is the fact he's missed 14 games in six seasons. Mm. That's not great. That's but, been three years now since he's missed a single game. Right. 14 million a year is pretty heavy, seeing that Eric Berry was making around 13, 13 and a half every year. So that's, and that was the richest contract among safeties. Now Landon Collins has taken right. that over, so we don't have to worry about that. <laughs> Go Reds but yeah. the third one, and this is, I think this is fair. He's only had 13 interceptions in his career. Now, as a safety, Guys get used differently because guys like Ed Reed is going to have more you know interceptions than a yeah. than a strong safety like a hot kind of guy yeah, and, yeah like a Troy Polamalu they're right. not going to have as many safeties or many interceptions as that safety because they're a different style but Tyron's been kind of a free floater so I would like to believe that he's going to get a little bit more you know on that side now he's deflected a lot of passes in his career. 
But uh, 2015 was the one that he had the most interceptions, and I believe that was five, only Mm -hmm. five. So his highest end of his career was only five. In Kansas City, we're going to need to get a lot of turnovers because I don't think that they're going to lead the league in sacks this year. Now, it's early, obviously, Mm -hmm. but more than likely, they're not going to lead the league in sacks. And if they don't, they're going to need to turn the ball over a lot. Shane, what's your thoughts? My thought on that specifically, that specific point that you just brought up, the Arizona Cardinals, they were – that they're giving up a lot of yards on the run. That's a, that's a stat we need to look up. Why wasn't he getting very many interceptions as an Arizona Cardinal? Fair. As a Kansas City Chief, the opposing teams are going to be throwing the ball yep. quite a bit because the Chiefs' offense is going to be scoring a lot of points. Sure. So they're going to be a that's lot. A there's going to be a lot of teams that are going to have to score on us. So that number, I know, yeah. if he stays healthy, will go up. But that's something that we need to look at. Okay, why was his interceptions down as an Arizona Cardinal? Yeah. Were they giving up a lot of yards on the ground? What were the Cardinals' record during that period? Because I don't think they were any very they were very good from 2014. Well, yeah, and you gotta, we got who who are we gonna surround him with? That's a big thing too. You know, we got a young Breland Speaks, who I think is, I think is gonna be a stud in this system. I think he's gonna be a solid player. But who else are we gonna get in there with Chris Jones to to, to collapse that pocket and, and pressure the quarterbacks to make Aaron, you know, bad throws? For him to make those plays, you know, he hasn't been on that. I mean, besides this Texans, this Texans defense was the best defense he's been on as far as a whole package sure. team. So if we get, you know, solid, say we tra- trade for uh, a Patrick Peterson or Preach. we go, or we go get a, say or we go trade for a Jadavion Clowney, we trade some picks for a Jadavion Clowney or, or a, a Ziggy Ansa or somebody like that. Who knows? If we go get some other big time playmakers that can cause more pressure and stir it up around him yeah. and allow him to be more free and make those plays and ball hawking plays. Maybe he will get more. To, to your point, I think that the chiefs are definitely beefing, beefing up the, the front yeah. seven, uh, the Alex Okafor trade, uh, the yeah. signing. I love that. He's a good run stuffer, mm-hmm. uh, a low risk, high reward type of deal. Oh, I believe yeah. the total that it could be with incentives included is about 28 and he's million coming from a similar system. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, so a four, three scheme They're they're building guys around Tyron Matthew. Like you said, they're mm-hmm. going to give him guys. They're going to help him elevate his own game and while that goes along it's going to elevate everyone else around him so i'm really excited about that so i want to get i want to get this real quick in this segment with you guys because i really this got me excited i I really researched this one um because tyron matthew is obviously a humongous get in free agency this is a big time get for the chiefs because it's very rare you go and get these type of guys i mean outside yeah outside of earl thomas there's no one more versatile in the league than sure sure that's fair so how about this what i what i had had asked myself and i did a little research and shane i don't even get you i don't this isn't even on the spot you know it automatically i guarantee it but trevor i'm gonna start with you this this is a big free agent get obviously but what is this the biggest of all time in chiefs history and if it isn't who is it the biggest since as far as free agents the Chiefs have picked up throughout their history? And I'm I'm looking more towards the last 25, 30 years primarily because that's the you know the the fan base is going to be more familiar with with names. Yeah. But to you, if he is the biggest, and if he's not, who is it the biggest since? Um, as far as overall talent and promise, him being so young still, and what he could become still, well, I don't think we think I don't think we've seen his ceiling yet. Sure. Because he hasn't been on a great team yet. Um, and I think we can be a great team, and we are going to be a great team. Um, I think he's the best since Daron Cherry. I like it. Daron Cherry wasn't really – he wasn't a player in the league. We picked him up out of free agency as an undrafted rookie. I like it. But let's say Daron Cherry, um, undrafted free agent out of Rutgers, six-time Pro Bowler in 11 years, all-time chief. Five-time All-Pro safety, isn't it? Right. Yeah. 50 interceptions, 14 fumbles. Recoveries. In, in a, or, yeah, recoveries in 148 games. Um, he was he won the NFL uh, 101 Defensive Player of the Year and as a part of the 1980s All Defensive Team. The guy was an absolute stud. I, I looked at a lot of our, um, you know, and especially recently, like with Ron Parker and you know, and I know there's Marcus Allen in there somewhere, but 
Um, we haven't had, I mean, Trent Richardson, we haven't had too many like guys that just came in here and just flourished yeah. for a long time. Sure. I mean, he had like little stints. Um, but Deron Cherry was one that stuck out to, stuck, stood out to me the most as far as overall body of work and coming in and being a chief and an all-time chief. But yeah, I think he I think he is, as far as pound for pound talent, the best free agent <clears throat> we've ever picked up. I would say that the Chiefs had picked up safeties and players and cornerbacks along the way in the last 25, 30 years. Retreads. Yeah. Nailed it. Yeah. Like Ty Law. Mm-hmm. Patrick Sertan. Patrick Sertan. Yeah, yeah. Cornerbacks. And they, Sean Smith, guys like that. And yeah. they got Mark Collins in 1994 from the New York Giants, and he won a Super Bowl with the Giants as a cornerback. Guthrie Cunningham was able to move him from cornerback to safety. But to come in at the age that Tyron Matthew is at 26, I feel it's even a, it's even adds more because he is so young. Yeah. But to compare it to defensive backs the Chiefs have picked up in recent years, I, I would have to go for Mark Collins. But even yeah. even I'm t- I'm talking about like even like uh, free agents in general, like any type of position player at all. Like I'm talking like. Throughout the time, if you can compare him to a free agent, the Chiefs have picked up as far as the dynamic player and the name. What would you? Who is? If he is the biggest, then he's the biggest. But if not, who has it been since? Yeah, I mean, well, when Priest Holmes came in two thousand one, yeah. there was just like this guy was a really good running back mm-hmm. behind Jamal Lewis. Maybe he's going to come in and he's going to be the Marshall Falk of the Dick Vermeil offense. There wasn't like, oh my gosh, the Kansas City Chiefs just got Priest Holmes. I was like, yeah, I think this guy was pretty good. He was pretty good with Baltimore for a couple of years. He flourished under Al Saunders and Dick Vermeil. Mm -hmm. But to get to the hype, like, wow, we just signed this guy. I have to say Ty Law, and Ty Law was at the end of his career. (laughs) But the fact that we had championed Ty Law, he signed a one-year deal with the Jets or something before that. I would have to say Ty Law. Okay. I actually got a funny story real quick, and I don't, I don't know how much time we have left around this segment or not, but um, I remember being on a plane from California when I was – I think this was 04. That was the offseason before Ty Law got here, right? Was it 05 when he came here? Uh, Ty Law came in 06. We 06. tried to get him in 05, but we didn't get him until 06. Okay, so 06. I remember I was flying back from Orange County. I uh, went out there trying to impress a girl by riding a bunch of amusement, Loser. amusement, mark, amusement mark, uh, park uh, rides, and I hated those Girls to this day. Oh, yeah, and it ended up not even working out anyway, so it was totally not worth it. But um, I remember single. I remember coming back. Yeah, currently <laughs> single, four years strong. Here we go. Uh, so here we are. I'm on a plane, and I noticed this big dude is walking my way. And I'm like, I know this guy from somewhere. As soon as he sits down, it clicked. This is Willie Rofe. Oh, my yeah, God. That's a big man. This is amazing. So we're on the plane. I haven't said nothing to him because I'm so nervous, right? My dad's picking me up at the KCI airport, and our luggage is right next to each other at the baggage claim thing or whatever the little belting is. Right. And I finally go, Mr. Rofe, big fan, man. You know, I'm, I'm a teenager at this time. Hey, I'm really excited to meet you. Uh, thank you so much for everything you've done in Kansas City. I think that ended up being his last year or maybe the year after that. But um, I remember him talking to me. He was limping. You know, he looked like he was in pain. And I remember I asked him about Ty Law. And I was like, hey, is there any chance that Ty Law's coming here? And he goes, man. Tyler's in a wheelchair right now. That dude can't even walk. <laughs> and then all of a sudden, after he said that, though, he looked down at me. And this dude's huge. You know, he's about your height, Shane. And he looks down at me, and he just winks. Man, like, a, the next day or a couple days after that, th- we signed Ty Law. Like, it was just so funny how, like, the timing of that. So that was, that's a story I'll always remember about Willie Rofe. He's a great guy. I've talked to him over the last few months. He's a really good dude. But I I will give you guys my answer. And and I went through a list of these guys. And, and there was a ton of guys that, surprisingly, it shocked me how many good free agents the Chiefs have signed throughout the years. Yeah, yeah. You're talking about Casey Wigman. You're talking about James Hasty. You're talking about Tony Richardson. 
Deron Cherry, like Trevor talked Eddie about. Eddie Kinnison. Brian Waters, which was a huge, one of the most underrated offensive yeah, linemen yeah, of all time. For but sure. We're, we're talking about the wildest. Yeah, 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 right. I'm talking yeah. about just like, but right. guys that contributed, that came in here right. and made a name Solid for themselves. Star players. players. Hussein Abdullah. Yeah, you know, yeah. Uh, Willie Rove again. But to me, it's simple. It's Priest Holmes. Yeah, yeah. It is Priest Holmes. As far as Holmes. star power goes, yeah, that guy was amazing. He went undrafted out of Texas in 1997, spent his first three, first three uh, seasons with the Ravens, won that Super Bowl in 2000 with them. The next season comes to Kansas City. Currently second all-time in Chiefs franchise rushing yards with mm. 6,070. Yep. Rushed for a 76 touchdowns in his six years at Kansas City. He only had 86 in his career. So only 10 of them came outside of Kansas City. Mm. Um, uh, he went from, from 2001 to 2004. Priest rushed for 5,482 yards, 70 rushing touchdowns. That's eight less yards than Reggie Bush. Or yeah, eight less yards than Reggie Bush had in his entire eleven-year career. Talking about seizing the moment, man. Yeah, he had more rushing yards in his in that span than Darren McFadden, Ronnie Brown, Willie Parker, Doug Martin, Jamal Anderson, Chris Ivory, Natrone Means, Brandon Jacobs, <laughs> Mike Allstott, Gail Sayers, Dorsey Levins, Ahmad Bradshaw, Christian Okoye had in their entire careers. But that's not it. He had more touchdowns, rushing touchdowns in that span than Stephen Jackson, LaShawn McCoy, Maurice Jones-Drew, Eddie George, Thomas Jones, Fred Taylor, Michael Turner, Ricky Williams, Stephen Davis, Willis McGahee, Thurman Thomas, Larry Zonka, O.J. Simpson, Herschel Walker, D'Angelo Williams, Darrell Davis, Ernest Biner, Roger Craig, Roger Craig, Tiki Barber, Chris Johnson, Larry Johnson, Matt Forte, Arian Foster, and their entire careers. The man was madness. Yep. Had the greatest three to four year run in NFL history for a running back. Back to back 20 plus touchdown seasons. We will never see that again in the NFL. Probably not. That was the, to me, he's the greatest free agent the Chiefs have ever picked up because yep. he made immediate impact and was not a superstar before he came here, but by God, by the time he left, he was. One of the greatest players that have ever played in a Chiefs uniform, in my opinion. But Tyron Matthew, you better believe this dude has the opportunity and the ability yeah. to make a name just as great on the other side of the ball than Priest Holmes did on the offensive side. I truly believe that. And we found him right around the same age that Priest Holmes, I think he was a year older, in 28, 29 years old when he came here. Yeah. Tyron Matthew will be 27. So he's got a lot of ability. And ironically, Priest Holmes had a lot of injury problems when he came into Kansas City. Yeah. A lot of hip problems. That's a big concern for a running back, especially a guy that was getting a bulks of the carries. So, well, And we're going to need Tyrone to make some plays now that we got uh, A.B. in our division and we got uh, Odell in the AFC now. And so, I'm really glad you brought that up yeah. because in our next segment, guys, we're going to talk a lot about these Browns and Raiders moves because they can – and ultimately could very well affect the Chiefs and their pursuit at a championship and just in the division in itself. So when we get back, we're going to talk a lot about Browns and Raiders. We'll get to that after this. Midcoast Modern is a Kent City focus on modern, handmade, and small brands. A resource for design-centric home goods, apparel, jewelry, artwork, and limited edition gifts. We support makers, artists from the Midcoast and bring in goods from makers, artists around the U.S. To offer a unique selection. Commandeer is Kansas City's alternative apparel brand. They make unique Kansas City themed clothing and accessories with a countercultural appeal. Find them online at commandeerbrand.com or follow them at commandeerbrand on Instagram or Facebook. This is the Spoken Podcast. Back at it again. I am Lance Twill, your host with my guy Trevor Twidwell. How's it going, guys? Eddie Ortiz and our special guest that I cannot mention more than more than enough than I already have, Shaggy Shane Williams. What's going on, people? All right, guys. So we've already knocked down a lot of Chiefs news tonight. We've uh, addressed the current situation with Tyreek Hill. We've talked about the free agent Tyron Matthew signing. We've talked about uh, Justin Houston, Eric Berry, D Ford, their situations, why the Chiefs had to part ways with them. And, uh, you know, that's that's been the, the gist of what's been going on for the Chiefs. But we would be remiss if we didn't talk about some AFC teams 
a team that directly affects the Chiefs in their own division and the moves they've made, and also a team that a lot of people are jumping on the bandwagon for the first time in many, many years, and that is the Cleveland Browns and the moves they're making, ironically, under the leadership of one John Dorsey, the former Chiefs GM. So, guys, there's been a lot of moves, especially from the Browns side. I mean, they have been, let's say, let's they've been the most aggressive team out there in free agency. They're trying to make splashes. They're trying to win. They're yeah. trying to uh, max out their salary cap. It's Super Bowl or bust. They're trying to. What, what they're doing is what I love. I love that John Dorsey. I love what John Dorsey. Well, yeah, I mean, it's funny. It but seems it, that way. It's like they're being. We got to take them seriously. Right. Let's be honest. Money here. to pay all these guys. What we just talked not, about was John Dorsey has a problem. Yeah. It's not football. It's not it's football talent happy, related. Yeah. It's cap related, yeah. which they will have problems eventually, oh, but yeah. not right now because they still have their quarterback yeah. on, a, on a rookie deal for several more years. Mm. So they don't have to pay him right now. So they're capitalizing on paying these other guys around him for the meantime. So I like what the Browns are doing. I'm just going to get out and say it. I, I, I The first thing I said was, look, I still think the Chiefs are the better team. Oh, we yeah. have Patty Mahomes. We have Andy Reid. We have Chris Jones. We have Tyreek Hill. We have Travis Kelsey, Sammy Watkins. The list goes down. We are the better team. We've gone further. We've proven more. Mm-hmm. But the Browns are serious, and we need to respect this team. I don't think they're a Super Bowl team yet because I haven't seen them even make the playoffs yet. But I will say that the NFL is the league that changes on a flip from one year to the next where teams look horrible, and they go into be Super Bowl contenders. So I think the Browns are a very serious team, especially after we got the news that they went and traded for one Odell Beckham Jr. Now, I know wide receivers aren't exactly what they will be a key catalyst to Super Bowl victories because most Super Bowl teams that win don't always have great wide receivers, at least in the last you know 15-plus years. But Odell Beckham Jr. is one of the more special talents we've seen at that position for many, many years. And he is a great addition when you have a young quarterback like Baker Mayfield, when you already have guys like Najoku, when you already have guys like Jarvis Landry, you are not to mention the running back core. My God, with Nick Chubb, Kareem Hunt, and several other guys it's they've ridiculous. used. It's Duke ridiculous. Johnson. Yeah, they're, Duke they're, trying to, they're trying to shop him right now, though. Sure. And when you have guys like Chubb and, and Kareem Hunt coming season. after week nine, it's you know, you don't really need that guy. But the point is they traded him. Uh, to the uh, from the Giants for a first and a third and safe, uh, safety Jabril Peppers. Really, if you're being honest, that's a great trade for the Cleveland Browns. Let's yeah, be real here. Should have got more than that. They've also uh, so- traded for uh, defensive end Olivier Vernon, which I thought was a great trade, and I thought the Chiefs should have definitely looked at that. But that would have been a little bit too much. I think they would have demanded in return. And they also uh, they also signed uh, Vikings former Vikings defensive tackle Sheldon Richardson yeah, to a three a year one. thirty nine million dollars. That's deal. a big one up the middle, man. Man, that's so, a beast. Yes, and Sheldon Richardson's getting into his prime. He's yeah. twenty eight years old. This dude has been nailed since the day he came into the league. Yeah, that was picks. actually the same draft Eric Fisher came out of. Mm-hmm. I would have loved if the Chiefs ah. would have went and got Sheldon Richardson, but you know that's neither here nor there. But right. the like I said, the Browns have made themselves respectable. And I love what they're doing as a, it's just a football fan, personally. I think it oh, yeah, is it's fun. It's incredible to see what yeah. they're doing because the AFC, what have we been talking about for years or for the, over this last year? Yeah. We, It's going to be a one-horse race. The Chiefs are eventually going to take over. But I kind of like this. Like, Imagine two years ago telling yourself, hey, guys, <laughs> hey, guys, you know who's going to be the class of the AFC one day? <laughs> Chiefs of the Browns. Yeah. <laughs> Nobody like honest. Let's be real here. Like that sounds like a just like a you know you took too many hits of the pipe. Yeah, so yeah. so here we are, guys. The Browns are making moves. They may not make it as many big moves. They still have some draft capital that they can utilize to build this team. Yeah. But regardless, like I said, they are respectable. They should be respected. Shane, what are your reactions to what we've heard so far from the Browns? The New York Giants were thirty-two and forty-nine with Odell Beckham Jr. New York Giants. Let me say it one more time. Were thirty-two <laughs> wins. 49 losses with Odell Beckham Jr. 
That's like looking up an Alex Smith stat in 2015 <laughs> where Alex Smith was 337-1 and one when the opposition scores 24 or more points. I am not a fan of Odell Beckham Jr. I'm not a fan of these divas. I'm not a fan of these me, me, me. Look at me. I'm a wide receiver. I made all this money, but my team sucks. But I get all these yards. Throw me the ball. I'm not a fan. For the city of Cleveland, I'm a huge fan. I, I If you look at the teams that have struggled in my lifetime, I'm 49 years old. I'm one month younger than your dad, Trevor and Lance. <laughs> so I think your dad could attest to this as well. There's a lot of people that have felt sorry for the Cleveland Browns, the city of Cleveland in 1986, 87, and 89, where they were so close to the first Super Bowl. Marty Schottenheimer couldn't get them to uh, get over the hump. I'm happy for their excitement. I'm happy that this team, that their fan base gets to get excited about Baker Mayfield, Nick Chubb. And uh, if they're if the Cleveland fans are excited about Odell Beckham Jr., I'm happy for them. But I just don't buy into the hype that Odell Beckham Jr. is going to put him over the edge when what he has done in New York was a huge distraction. You guys may disagree with me. Trevor, what's your feelings on this? I definitely think he's going to be a huge factor as far as offensively. He's going to bring a dynamic to that offense that Baker hasn't had yet or ever in his collegiate career or NFL career so far. Um, I like the moves. The moves are sexy, but we still got to see it first. We got to see it in action. We're talking about two major prima donna attitude kind of guys with Baker and Odell. They're both similar kind of guys. They're both mouthy. They're both very dramatic. They're both charismatic to, you know, as far as with their coaches. We saw how Baker was, you know, um, towards Hugh. It was a little embarrassing. Probably embarrasses, you know, his his flair is a little too much sometimes. And we've seen that with Odell, you know, having fights with objects in the, on the side of the field. Um, well, in, in defense, he did propose to that. Object yes, too, so. that was actually hilarious. But <laughs> I'm just saying, we, I don't know, man. Look, look what happened with the two big personalities in this. In with the, I know we'll get to this in a minute with AB and, and Big Ben, two big personality guys, two dramatic divas. Um, that didn't work. I mean, I know they put up good numbers, but did they really do much together? Not really, as far as the numbers go. Yeah, they did. But um, I don't know, man. We got to see it. Um, I, it doesn't scare me. I tr- I know our team is the better team, like hands down. We put what thirty seven points on them against that defense. So if it's going to be a boat a boat race between the offenses, my money's on the Chiefs. It's not a question for me. So yeah, the the, the big names are cool. Odell is is a scary talent, but we, I mean we don't know if it's going to mesh. And I don't think their defense got that much greater with Richardson being the addition. Yeah, he's a nice player, but they lost Jamie Collins in the same you know week. Jamie Collins is a, is a, is a big time player too. So it's a, losing that kind of a linebacker on your, off your defense is a big, is a detrimental move too. So we'll see. Sure. I, I, I will add this though. I, I know the record states that they had a losing record with Odo Beckham jr. Who that means. I mean the, the New York giants. Yeah, I get all that. Uh, what I will say though, is since they drafted Odo Beckham jr. The giants were four and 15 in games. He didn't start. So when he was hurt or when he didn't start a game, they were actually even worse than what that record is. Yeah, indicates. so they're bad with him and worse without him. <laughs> that, but that, see, for me, see, and that's, yeah, you're right. But here, here's the thing. Here's the so, thing. Yeah. Here's the Polish thing. Polish and a turd, yeah, sure. Here's the thing. I think that means that it's more about the Giants than it actually oh, yeah. has to do with Odell Beckham. The quarterback player, And yeah. I've always stated, this is something even before I even created the spoken, something that I have always said when it comes to wide receivers and their total value, in essence, is the fact that a good wide receiver needs a good quarterback than a good quarterback needs a good wide receiver. Oh, yeah, yeah. That you know, Absolutely. you have guys like Larry Fitzgerald, who has some of the greatest numbers of all time, mm-hmm. but he only had this short window of having Kurt Warner. And when he had Kurt Warner, he put up his career numbers. Mm-hmm. There's no coincidence there. 
And once Kurt Warner left, you saw his numbers drop. Bottom that's of the barrel, by Carson Palmer. And, yeah. Megatron, the list goes on. Yeah. So, um, and, and this this is, an, this is a testament to what I think Odell Beckham was dealing with in New York is he had a corpse in Eli Manning out there trying to chuck him the ball. Yeah. And Eli Manning is just not a good Throwing quarterback ducks. and hasn't been for years. Throwing so, ducks. although I agree with you that the, the wide receiver position in itself isn't the most important position, I'd even beg that on an offense, it's probably one of the last. Yeah. Because you look at the Patriots and all their success – they didn't have most of their Super Bowl wins with their best wide receivers. Yeah. Now, I will say, though, that Tom Brady put up his best career numbers when Randy Moss was there. Yeah. So Baker Mayfield, for him, I think this is a great move because it's going to help him gain even more confidence and realize his own potential when he has a guy like not only Odell Beckham, but Jarvis Landry on the field. It's the yeah. same situation for Patrick Mahomes yeah. with Tyreek Hill, Sammy Watkins, Travis Kelsey. You give a guy like that with so much talent that could lead an offense regardless of who he has around him, but with giving him more and more serene talent, supreme talent, it's going to make his job easier where he's not going to have to press. And I think that's what the Browns are saying. Look, we're going to make your job as easy as possible, Baker. You better go and get it done. Yeah, and I will say too, I mean, the Chiefs do need to be reactionary to those moves. Sure. We we do have to go get corners. We I, I think we do need to trade up. Or trade up maybe. I don't know if we're going to take a corner with our first pick in the in the draft. Trade for or, Patrick Peterson. Trade for Patrick Peterson or uh, Jalen Ramsey, who I think is going to be out of our price range. But still, maybe try to offer something for an elite shutdown corner. They're going to ask for a first. We need somebody who can shut down one side of the field. Sure. You know, because we got to have a guy who's going to follow Odell and follow AB. We need that guy. So we're going to have to be aggressive back. I think we're, there's going to be some splash moves that Beach is going to make, so we'll if, see. If they're going to move, gosh, there's a, there's a lot of teeter-tottering we'll have to see, yeah. and that could happen in the next couple of weeks. I love the Patrick Peterson talk, yeah, but we're sure. the only ones talking about it. You we talk, haven't heard anybody You talk talked about it yeah. last week on my show, and I would love that scenario. But if there's something you guys may want to talk about on the mock draft show, there's a Greedy Williams, a cornerback mm-hmm. at LSU. I'm hoping and praying somehow we get him, but the million-dollar question is if he – sitting there at 21, do you give up one of your second-round draft picks and a fourth round to move up? Or do you hope that one of these a second-tier player, I think there's a Murphy cornerback out of Washington. Yeah. Like I said, that's a mock draft show. Yeah. But there's a lot of different ways the Chiefs could go with free agency cornerback, but cornerback is important yeah, because of Antonio Brown. Sure. Because of Odell We have to Jr. respond to that. Yeah. Because of that. And another piece that we haven't really talked about a lot tonight, and, and rightfully so, but it, I think it is – I think it's time is – uh, Kareem Hunt going from the Chiefs to the Browns. Uh, he will serve an eight-game suspension, as reported by Adam Schefter and Ian Rappaport. They did they did confirm that today. He's got fresh legs coming in the second part he, of the season. He's going to have fresh legs, but here's the thing. Um, I think that he would also be extremely valuable for the Browns more than I think even some of us would like to admit because of the yeah. the sad ending to Kansas City. But I, I, I went and wrecked my numbers up today. I, I went and crunched them. Um, Patrick Mahomes even, you saw the, the difference in his game. At first, I didn't think there would be much. And honestly, mm. he still had an MVP season without Kareem Hunt and pace as far as the games he played. He played seven games, including the playoffs, without Kareem Hunt. Yeah. And his 11 games with Kareem Hunt, he was averaging 68% uh, completion percentage, 330 yards. He had 37 total touchdowns, which is three per game. He had a, 10 interceptions, 117 quarterback rating. That's a 16-game pace of 5,280 yards, 54 touchdowns, and 14 interceptions. That's an all-time great season yeah. right there if he had Kareem Hunt. Obviously, he ended up having 50 touchdowns anyway. Right. But the thing is, is that in the seven games, there's a little bit of a dip in certain areas, but there's a spike in some. So it's kind of weird how it worked out. In the seven games, including the two playoff games against the Colts and Patriots, Patrick Mahomes averaged 62 completion percentage, 292 yards per game. That's over 30 yards per game. That's basically a completion in Patrick's world. Um, 16 touchdowns, which is two per game, but only two interceptions for the remaining of those seven games. He only threw two picks. Mm-hmm. Okay, That was after the Rams game. 
138 quarterback rating. So that's that's Ridiculous. 20 21 more 21 points up. Yeah. Um he got smarter, he got more efficient because he knew he didn't have Kareem Hunt the comfort mm-hmm. level of Kareem Hunt. 16 game pace, that's 4672 yards, 36 touchdowns, only four interceptions. You can still win MVP with those numbers. You absolutely can still win MVP yeah. with those numbers. So but you can tell the difference. You can yeah. tell that Kareem Hunt played his part. On well, the fact that it happens that early, in the middle of the season, man, something like that happens. You know, for him to even put up those numbers that you said is incredible. Now he has a whole offseason to prepare with the guys that he has, you know, with the Carlos Hyde and Damian Williams and then Daryl Williams, who I think is a star, or not a star, but a, a solid player. Um, I think he got a good running back core that he can develop with. So. Sure. And just look at the running back on the roster going into last year. Last year, right. the running backs were starter Kareem Hunt, backup Spencer Ware. And then a whole slew of Williamses, Damian Williams, who got from Miami, Kern Williams from Arizona, mm-hmm. who didn't make the team, and Daryl Williams. But it speaks of what, and I'm, I don't want to get off topic of Patrick Williams because that's what we're talking about here. It speaks of highly of Andy Reid's offenses to where a third string running back can come in and be successful. Yeah. Sure. The yeah. same thing had happened to him with Spencer Ware and Chark Andrew West in 2015 when Jamal Charles was hurt and Al yeah. Davis was losing time as carries. Right. A lot of that is attributed, and I'll attribute it to the loss of Kareem Hunt going into the second half of the season and those stats that you just brought up to Andy Reid. He's able to freaking game plan. Sure, absolutely. And so now we're talking about game planning. Uh, The Chiefs have won three straight AFC West championships. I think something they've never done in their history. Uh, So they're obviously in uncharted waters. And the Raiders are aware of that. Uh, They've decided to make some pretty confusing moves. I think that's the way we could probably put this off. John Gruden hasn't exactly done what I would call um, he hasn't really made effective moves that I think are good for the long term of the team. And when you have a 10 year contract, I'd like to believe that you're probably looking for the you know development of your team for the next two to three, two to four years. But what they do is they go in and they go in tra- and bear in mind, anybody that's missed it, uh, they went and traded the best pass rusher in the league at 26 <laughs> years old. Uh, granted, they did get, you know, a couple first round picks out of them, but they still traded him away. They had no contingency plan. So they had the worst pass rush in the NFL. Then they trade a 24-year-old Amari Cooper, who is well above an average wide receiver, and he showed that when he went to Dallas with even an average quarterback with Dak Prescott. Traded him away, got a first-round pick out of the Dallas Cowboys, so that gives him three additional first-round picks. And they had, I think, a top-six draft pick just from the record alone. So they go in, they they, they do those moves, and then they, I guess it makes sense in some form or fashion, sign a third, soon to be 31-year-old Antonio Brown. They traded for him, rather, for a third and a fifth round pick and sign him to a three year, $50.1 million deal uh, with nearly 39 million guaranteed attached to that. <laughs> Look guys, Antonio Brown is incredible. I I've, I've said often that he was on pace to be the greatest receiver we've ever seen. Um, he's had the greatest six year stretch we've ever seen from a wide receiver. That includes Jerry Rice, but this move makes no sense for the Raiders, well, especially in a rebuild, especially when we don't even know if Derek Carr is going to be their quarterback right. coming into this next season with his 20 plus million. Well, he is he's now. Owed. He is now. Well, well, the fact that Antonio Brown went to his house and they made a big deal that yeah. he never got to go to Ben Roethlisberger's house. <laughs> and ESPN was there to watch yeah. Antonio Brown to go to his house. The, the Gruden <laughs> is such a flip flopper, though, that I don't I wouldn't. Yeah. Even, would you guys honestly be shocked if tomorrow we heard they just dealt Derek Carr? Nope. be honest. I mean, that's no, what I'm saying. Like, not. even though they show the video, Miami, John Gruden, Miami doesn't have a quarterback. Yeah, John Gruden had nothing to do with that meeting though let's be honest that was a Derek Carr and Antonio Brown thing yeah. so if we heard yeah god damn it I'm trading Derek Carr to the <laughs> fucking Cardinals you know like if we heard that would it really shock you no you know what I'm saying not. like hold your fucking jersey up boy you're getting traded you thought we were rebuilding yeah damn it yeah. baby Banana. baby yeah yeah so you know what I'm saying like it wouldn't shock me if John Gruden did that but see this is the thing Despite the Antonio Brown thing, you can excuse it a little bit because he's such a superstar. Yeah. He's still in the prime of his career, so you're going to, oh, he's going to produce. 
What do these dipshits go and do? They go and sign the 2015 seventh-round pick backup offensive yeah. tackle from the Patriots, Trent Brown, to a four-year $66 million <laughs> deal with $36.7 million guaranteed, which makes him the richest offensive tackle in NFL history. This protect- guy was a seventh-round pick. got to protect Carr, man. He's, Dude. He's the future. I mean, I'm not even a Raiders fan. I'm like, man, I feel so bad for Raiders fans right now. This is a stupid ass move. No, it, most if they like gave it. Eric, if the Chiefs gave Eric Fisher that contract, <laughs> I would flip shit, yeah, man. Yeah. But no, they go and give this scrub thirty six point seven million. I, yeah, but I'm saying, like, as a, as a Raiders fan, I would be belligerent. But I, I, that's why I love it. This is what I'm talking about. These are the types <laughs> of moves I don't understand. He was graded thirty six overall. Amongst all left tackles last year, behind Riley Reef yeah. and the Vikings, who consider him a problem. So good. Like, think about that for a second, man. That's that's insane to think about. He's 25 years old, but this is so Raiders. Yeah. This is so them. How many teams would have paid Trent Brown that kind of money? Nobody. And then and then we're talking about they signed Tyrell Williams. Yeah. Who's a solid player, but he's, he's literally just a one-trick pony. He's they signed him threat. to a four-year, $47 million right. deal with $22 million guaranteed. He's 27 years old. He's played four seasons with San Diego LA Chargers. Has a total of 155 receptions. He's the number three receiver on the Chargers. 2,530 yards and 17 touchdowns in 155 games. Yeah. So Raiders, that yeah. is typical <laughs> no, no. Yeah. Raiders. They go and cut Jordy Nelson, which I, you know, it's fine. AJ McCarron, which is fine. But again, Derek Carr's future is so uncertain. Maybe he plays this year, but when they go to Las Vegas, will he be their long-term answer? Yeah. I don't know. We don't know what they're going to do with their picks. And I know everybody, I, I posted a thing about John Gruden making fun of his moves. And all these Raiders fans came into my mentions, which is fine. It's their team. They're defensive, but they were all saying, well, the three first round picks, do you trust John Gruden to build your team? Right. Because he's yet to ever do it. He didn't right. do it in Tampa Bay. Sure shit, and didn't do it in Oakland. What are your guys' thoughts on these Oakland who's the, moves? Who's the other receiver that they got? Was it J.J. Nelson? Is that or is this one of the other? It was another deep threat. So basically, they got rid of um, what's his name? Jordy Nelson. Jordy Nelson. They got rid of him, and the only guy that they know that can run the actual route tree is A.B. And they got two. They signed two other deep, literally just one trick pony deep threat guys. And you got a quarterback in Derek Carr who was second to last last year in deep accuracy percentage. I don't know how much sense that makes. I mean, yeah, obviously if you get the ball in the hands of AB, thing anything can happen. But you 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 sign two deep threat special receivers with one of the worst deep threat or deep throwing quarterbacks in the league. It's just it's puzzling, man. I don't I don't know. And if you're talking about John Gruden, I give John Gruden all the credit for taking. Tony Dungy's team and beating Philadelphia. Thanks, he deserves map credit of that because Tony Dungy could not win in Philadelphia to save his life. He took that team and schemed it and beat Andy Reid. John Gruden deserves that because the Buccaneers got a world title because of it. <laughs> but in his years that followed, he could not find a quarterback for Tampa to save his life from Chris Sims to Bruce Gradkowski to his running backs that he had drafted from Cadillac Williams, who was a Monster rookie. He was the first rookie in NFL history to rush for 100 yards the first three games of his NFL career. But John Gruden ran Cadillac Williams into the ground. You know, there was a lot. Of, there was a lot of that concern in the later 2000s, which got him fired from Tampa. But I, I don't know what he's doing. He like like we all like you alluded to. He's got a 10 year plan in Oakland. 
but I'm willing to watch that ship sink. <laughs> Let it sink from Oak Town to Vegas. I just, I just don't understand. Like I thought, I literally thought that they made it pretty clear that they're rebuilding something there. And you go and I know AB is a Hall of Fame talent, but if you're in a rebuild, why are you paying that much money for an aging vet who is a cancer in the locker room, mind you? And he's demanding that much money. And then you extend him even further. It just doesn't make any... I, I don't know... That is my entire right. point. So now you're trying to win now? Is that the case now? The, the Raiders, at best... Is that trash let's defense? give them... Let's, let's, let's try to give them some shred, a shred of credit here. Right. Let's say they start to compete in two to three years. Okay? And obviously they're let's willing say to... they win eight games. They're, ob- they're obviously willing <laughs> to spend money here, right? They just yeah. gave some guy that no one knew before you know this week $66 million. Yeah. Let's say they compete in three years. Antonio Brown will be 34 years right. old. On his way out. On his way out. On his last year of the Randy deal. Moss all over again. On the last year of his deal. Yeah. Derek Kerr might not even be here. Trent Brown's probably going to be on the IR or something. Like, we don't even know if he's going to be on the team by that time. Right. You could have, instead of spending almost $100 million on those two guys, not even mentioning Tyrell Williams, you could have spent that on Khalil Mack. Mm-hmm. Could have given him his money, whatever money he wanted. You can let Amari whatever walk. his market value was. No, but you can you can sign Amari Cooper too because you obviously spent a hundred million dollars on these trash, two guys. Hold trash. on, hold on. But I'm saying, I'm saying, hold on. Amari Cooper did prove himself worthy. Dude. He's and, got and, terrible and, hands, dude. In in Dallas, he was averaging over hundred yards of reception. I still, think he had seven or eight touchdowns. Still so let's, one of the top. Let's drop give him some credit here. To be able to put those numbers up with Dak Prescott is saying something though. Let's mm-hmm. be real here. Okay, my point is, in three years, Khalil Mack would have been 29 years old. Amari Cooper would have been 27. As opposed to Antonio Brown being 34, Trent Brown probably not even going to be on the team by then, and Tyrell Williams, who the hell is he? I think Derek Carr is broken. Reggie McKenzie was the general manager of the year in 2016, like way back in two and a half years ago, (laughs) and he is fired. The Raiders are in freaking chaos Mike Mayock, mode. baby. I, Mike Mayock. I feel sorry <laughs> for him because I love that guy. I love oh, his, yeah. He's I love, good at what he did. Oh, I love his evaluation of path yeah, to draft, absolutely. his talent, his scouting. I watched him on draft day. Mm-hmm. He's got his hands full. He's got a Band-Aid duct tape, the Titanic. and put that A whole different together. thing of admiring talent and seeking talent and recognizing talent and then running one of the worst franchises in the NFL. That's a whole different right. thing. So, yeah, I mean, I think – honestly, I think it all starts with Derek Carr. I think we've seen it. I mean, he 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 looks timid. Yeah, he's he had one of those most accurate seasons this past season because he was throwing for five yards at a time. I mean, you're talking about a team that's going to probably win five to six games at best this year, and Derek Carr's Derek dead cap hit is twenty one point five. Derek Carr million lost dollars. Lock, he lost his locker room last year, man. He was they were all upset about him being timid, and you know, I just I and I like him as a guy, but I just since he got hurt, I haven't seen the same guy, man. It doesn't he doesn't have that zest to him anymore. So he, when it when it comes to the Chiefs, though. Are, are you guys overall concerned about the Browns? And what do you think about? Are, are do you feel like the Raiders in any way are climbing closer to the Chiefs? No, absolutely not, not. Okay. The only team in our division I remotely feel threatened by is the Chargers because mm-hmm. of their front seven, and because they're able to the Chargers per se. I know we're just going to touch on this briefly, but the Chargers have a that's that front seven is solid, and. Mm-hmm. I respect Philip Rivers, but he's near the end of his career. Denver, real quickly, they're in flux. John Elway can't, can't evade with a quarterback to save his life. They got, Joe Flacco, they got Joe Flacco on his prime. What are you talking right, about? Yeah, yeah, he <laughs> said that he's just entering his prime at 34 <laughs> years old after read. getting benched by Lamar Jackson, who can't throw a football. I was like, is this, but, is right. this right. sarcasm? Shame. I wasn't sure. Right, but I don't know. I don't know what's going on in Denver. I but getting to the point, the Chiefs should win the AFC West in 2019. 
Well, Shane, I man, I'm I'm gonna be honest. I'm I'm really glad you came out tonight. And like I told Clay Winler, our producer and owner operator of Red Tribe Cinema, whenever you want to come out, man, you know you got it. Man, I appreciate it, dude. You've came and joined the Shaggy Shane show in the at one Shaggy Drive and dealt with everything <laughs> from uh my dog wanting to rip your arm off and leg off. <laughs> Shout out to over. Oliver. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> He always loves it when Lance comes over and gets mad when he leaves. He's already bit Clay. <laughs> Did not draw so blood, but, you know, get seriously to the point. I built up the majority of my following just being a Chiefs fan. I worked for Warpaint Illustrated for three years. Got to interview Dustin Colquitt, Kendall Gammon, Anthony Davis. Got to be around Nick Athen, who at that time, I spent a lot of time with the Chiefs. So I had a lot of followers on Facebook and I uh, heard this kid about six years ago, make a video and it was yourself, Lance. You made a video and you started making videos. You started making training camp reports in your kitchen. And I always wanted to go home and see what Lance Twiddle had to say, what he had to report from training camp. And I thought to myself, it drove me to make YouTube videos for myself, seeing what Lance Twiddle was doing. I thought, you know what? I'm going to start making post games because I've created somewhat of a following I love what Lance Twidwell's doing. I'm going to make a YouTube video. And long story short, I would not be making videos if it wasn't seeing your work. I appreciate you influencing and inspiring me to make post games my show to myself. And I want to thank you for that. And thank you for having me here, Trevor, Eddie, and Lance. Thank you very much. Uh, That means a lot, man. Thank you so much, dude. And if it's any consolation, uh, seeing what you did, you know, with those videos and what you've been doing and the impact you've made. Uh, definitely re-inspired me to do this to to get this podcast going. Uh, it's nothing new, but you know, people, you know, everybody does podcasts, but I wanted to do this, and uh, it definitely reinvigorated that inside of me, man, to to get this going. So I want to thank you for coming on and for saying all that. And uh, if you could, real quick, give all the listeners uh, where they can find your YouTube channel, where you're at on Facebook, uh, give them even your Twitter handle if you like, man. Shaggy Shane, KC Chiefs. Look for Shaggy Shane, KC Chiefs on YouTube. And at Shaggy Shane Casey on Twitter, and just look up Shane Williams on Facebook. Uh, shouts to all my followers and anybody that takes me seriously. My show is not for everybody. My show is not for everybody. People come up to me and tell me, you know, Shaggy, I, I would like your shows if I didn't feel like you were screaming at me with loud rock and roll in the background. <laughs> but I've had also people come to me and say, man, I love your show because you tell it like it is. And uh, you don't even need coffee when you listen to your show. Well, <laughs> number one, Mahomie. Number one, Mahomie, right yeah, here. Yes, uh, I wear that badge proudly. Yes, sir. Uh, thank you very much for having me on the show, and uh, look forward to being on again, man. Guys, that's Shaggy Shan. Let's yeah. give him a hand real quick. Thank you so much, Shag, for coming on. Thanks, guys. Uh, we're gonna come back. Eddie Ortiz is actually gonna come on. He's gonna do what we like to call fill in the cracks, where he's gonna give us some storylines. Uh, regarding the rest of the sports world, some things you may not have known, things we're probably not going to know, but he's here to, to inform us and, and knowledge, uh, give us the knowledge that we did not know we needed, but we definitely did. So we'll get to that after this. Casey Hemp Company, your most trusted CBD provider in Kansas City, shipping nationwide, ancient plant for a new age health. Follow them on Facebook and Instagram at Casey Hemp Co. And we are back on the Spoken for the final segment of the night. And guys, I got to be honest, this show has been very enjoyable. Um, I didn't think it was going to be a lot of fun, to be honest with you, when we first heard the news about what came about with the whole Tyree Kill situation, which we still have not had anything profound uh, break after the initial news, after what TMZ had reported, after what Brooke Pryor from uh, Kansas City Star reported. We haven't really had a lot, but nevertheless, we did not let that keep us down. We had a lot of good talks. I want to again thank our special guest, Shaggy Shane Williams, yeah, for coming Shout on. Shout out. 
Definitely follow my guy on YouTube, guys. OG. OG. He, he, yeah, he's he is truly an OG. He's been he was a season ticket holder, I believe, from like ninety one to two thousand eleven. And guys, he didn't. Sorry, have, Shane, if I got that wrong. Yeah, he didn't have no notes. Right. It was all it was all in his head. My guy, I'm telling you, he brings it, and he's going to be on the show a lot more. So be prepared for that because the dude drops knowledge every single time. Definitely follow him on his uh, YouTube channel. Uh, hit him up on Facebook. One of the best people on this planet. It'll be well worth your time to to give him a listen. So. Uh, for our final segment, and by the way, I'm glad our boy Eddie Ortiz is back. He's been on the, he's been on the sideline for a little bit, just looking for news in case it broke. But thank you so much for uh, allowing your seat, man, yeah. to be filled with Shane. Anytime, actually. <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah, whatever you guys need to be Take my fish. So, Whoever wants my spot can have it if they want. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Eddie's seat is officially for rent. Uh, it's pretty cheap. 500000 You might need to get some spray can or something to deodorant that thing. Deodorant. So, so, Eddie, we, hey, we have you back, and, and this is a new segment we started last week. But um, it is very important because obviously we talk a lot of Chiefs here, a lot of local sports. But I feel it's very important to get out there and reach a little bit further, and that's what you're here for, man. That's why you bring that knowledge as far as – what's out there that we may have missed. So that's why this segment is going to be called Eddie Ortiz filling in the cracks. So Eddie, go ahead and get, take it away, oh, man. What man. what do you got out there in the sports world that we may not have been aware of? Man, you're putting me in the spot like that? Damn right. Oh, man. Well, let's, uh, <laughs> let's start off with uh, something that a lot of people are very familiar with. Uh, I would say most Americans are more familiar with NASCAR than they are with this sport. Uh, I am talking about Formula One. Uh the season actually kicks off this weekend. Kicks off Sunday. Woo! Yeah, it's, Hell yeah. I'm topless now. <laughs> a bunch of speed everywhere, you know? Hey, left turn. it's not just left turns. It is right, left, Oh, circles, holy shit, they changed it up. Wow. U-turns, it's everything. This ain't NASCAR. <laughs> it is not. So, uh, we have a, a whole lineup mix uh, change up in Formula One that, that's starting this uh, Sunday, I, like I said. Uh, do we think Sebastian Vettel from Ferrari will take that championship home this year? It's, it's been, it's it's been quite a few years since he actually won a championship. His last championship was, uh, with Red Bull, Red Bull racing. Uh, I want to say that was four or five years ago and he hasn't won since, uh, he's been up there, just hasn't had that car that's pushing over the limit. Or do we think Lewis Hamilton, Lewis Hamilton will take that crown again? He's he he's what uh, five time champion now. Not a lot of people have that, you know. It's pretty good. So, in Formula One, it's very competitive. Uh, top three teams are very competitive. They're they're trying to make it to where it's uh, a lot harder for teams to take that advantage because of the money gap. So they're trying to make it more con- more competitive, more fun. So we'll see how this year shapes up. But like I said, let's see if Sebastian Vettel can actually come back and win that title or if Lewis Hamilton will take the crown again. And that is that for Formula One. Now we go into soccer, football, whatever you guys want to call it. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Non-American football. There you go. Yeah. Actual football. Uh, <laughs> okay, fair enough, fair enough. <laughs> so let's, let's start with uh, – our local boys, uh, Sporting Kansas City. Yeah, I man. believe. Yeah. Hell yeah, still in it. Thursday, they had their second leg in the CONCACAF Champions League. Um, this is a tournament, an international tournament, CONCACAF being the North American Federation, pretty much, soccer association, whatever you want to call it. They hold this tournament every year, and the champion 
goes to the World Cup, the the FIFA Club World Cup. And this this tournament is held every December in either Abu Dhabi, Japan, uh, Emirates, whatever that they're called. And uh, they are in the final four, pretty much. Uh, they got two games left. They have a, a series against Monterrey from Mexico. Uh, obviously, if they win this uh, match, they will advance to the final, to the championship game. And obviously, if they win the championship game, they go on to, to play the World Cup. Now, in this World Cup, you got European teams. You got Asian teams. You got South American teams. You got uh, Australian teams. Uh, so it's a mixture of everything. Uh, so let's uh, hope our boys can pull off a miracle and for the first time in 19 years can actually win this this trophy uh i believe the last american team to win it was uh la galaxy back in 2000 so damn it's been that long yes so hopefully our boys can uh take that crown this year um and uh i i mean that's pretty pretty much i mean there's other news i don't know if you guys want to get bored with them well, I mean, but. that's why you're here, man. Just give us all the boring <laughs> stuff. <laughs> no, I was kidding. It's, yeah. it's really good to hear this stuff, man. Because yeah. like I said, otherwise, we a lot of our listeners may not have made some of these things, and it might get them interested yeah. in following these sports. So well, we what also, you got? Yeah, we also had the Champions League. Uh, second legs this uh, just this week. Tuesday, Wednesday, second legs. Amazing matches. It was, uh, it was a second leg uh, definitive matches. Uh, it was amazing. We had Barcelona beat Lyon uh, by a score of, I believe, is five one, if I'm not mistaken, five two. Uh, then you had Liverpool go to Bayern Munich in Germany and beat them three one. That, that was a shocker, honestly, to myself and to a lot of soccer fans. Uh, it was uh, amazing. Then you had Man U, Manchester United, go into PSG, one of the richest clubs in the world. And just beat them at their own place. That was amazing. Uh, watching the highlights was incredible. Then in the other match, you had Porto against, uh, I believe, Roma. And eh, I mean, they're not as up there as your Barcelona, your Real Madrid's, United's, but it's still a good matchup. I mean, they're in there for a reason, you know. Sure. So they made it to the to the quarterfinals, if I'm not mistaken. So they're there for a reason. So that is uh. That is all I have for today. That is Eddie Ortiz filling in the cracks for us, man. I really appreciate that. He's going to be doing that every week uh, to give us, like I said, what we may not have been aware of uh, otherwise because, let's be honest, guys, as Americans, we're very familiarized with our sports, uh, what goes on here, but there's so much more that goes on in our world, and I think it's – I think it's good that we know about these things. So I'm really, I'm really grateful uh, for you doing that, man. Uh, Thank you so much. I mean, I'm trying, trying to, trying to do the best I can. I, no, I, I appreciate it, man. I really do because I, <laughs> I mean, diverse. I, I, I could have sat there and said those things, but it would have had no meaning because I don't know what I'm, you know, yeah. saying. So oh, it's yeah, just, it's yeah. fun, man. It's I mean, fun. I don't know what I'm saying, but you know, <laughs> <laughs> whoever's writing your script, bro, they're killing it. Eddie, we know that. <laughs> all right, guys, are you ready? Am I ready? Are you ready? I think you guys all know what this segment is. All of our fans out there, all the listeners, they know what this segment is. Guys, what segment is this? Hold this L! It's time to hold this L. I want you to do me a favor and hold this L! Somebody's got to hold that L. <laughs> <laughs> the who? The her? 
I'm talking like caps lock, L, 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 Cool J stuff. Hold that L. <laughs> Good God, man. Hold this gigantic, <gasps> veiny, pulsating oh L. <laughs> man, you are one pathetic loser. You ignorant bastard. <laughs> oh, that was great. Oh, hold Sorry. this L. Well, we are here again oh, for the man. fifth episode. Sorry if that was a little loud. We just get a little excited when it comes to the this particular segment that wraps up our entire episode. Giving the weekly L to somebody that is so deserving of it. And it seems like every week we have the perfect candidates for it. And I'm going to go right back to my guy, Eddie oh, Ortiz, man. our fill in the cracks guy. Go ahead and fill in an L Let's for go. us. Eddie, who is holding your L this week? Let's go with the Oakland Raiders uh, holding this L. Like, uh, it? <laughs> like you said earlier in the show, they just signed a seven, uh, former seventh round pick back up from the Patriots to a pretty much a max deal. For his position. Uh, and then, yeah, I mean, they they made a move for Antonio Brown. But uh, honestly, do you really think Der- uh, Derek Carr is going to make anything happen? There's no magic there. So, Oakland Raiders. Hold, hold this hell. Mother- right. Trevor Twidwell, go ahead and take it, man. Who's holding right. this L this week? This is this might be the ultimate layup for hold this L segment maybe ever. Um, oh, I like at that. At least for now. Uh, mine goes to the general manager of the New York Giants, um, previous general manager <laughs> of the uh, Carolina Panthers, who's already extremely disliked among many fans, not even just Panthers fans. What's his name? Dave Gettleman. Okay. Um, took to the podium, what, about a week or two ago um, when there was rumors swirling around about Odell Beckham. I just want to read his quote here real quick. It says, New York Giants general manager Dave Gettleman took to the podium on February, it was February 27th. So it was a little while ago to address the media during the NFL combine. Someone asked about the rumors swirling around star wide receiver Odell Beckham Jr., whom the Giants just signed a five-year $90 million extension in August 2018. His his quote, and I quote, we didn't sign Odell to trade him, Gettleman said. And that's all I need to say about that. <laughs> Obviously, then just recently this past week, they they did indeed trade Odell Beckham. Junior to the Browns for a first and a third and safety Jabril Peppers. If that's not maybe the worst start you can have as a new general manager for a franchise coming from an absolute <laughs> shit show in the one before with the racist comments and the crap he had with Cam Newton and the beef he had with those fans and the, how they kicked him out. I mean, dude, you come in and you straight, you trade maybe one of the greatest talents in NFL history is at that, that position to the Browns. <laughs> I mean, yeah, the Browns fans are obviously excited. <laughs> um, but, yeah, um, general manager, maybe not for long, uh, Dave Gettleman. You're going to have to hold, hold this L, sir. Yep. Hold it all night long. Hold, hold, it. It. <laughs> hold it. Hold it tight. Hold, hold it. Hold it. Hold <laughs> Yeah, it was bad. So, yep. <laughs> Sorry. Hold that out. <laughs> this, this one's very easy for me. Um, I'm mm. really glad because we don't talk about who, you know, who we're giving it to this week. So I'm Not always easy. surprised that we always seem to find a way to have yeah, different ones. It's kind of cool, but crazy. maybe I just jinx this because next we're going to have a <laughs> unanimous, it. but yeah, Damn knock it. on this wood yeah. table we're using. Okay, man, it, this, like I said, this one's really easy and, 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 and we can make light of it, but it's actually a very serious situation that we, our society for some damn reason still deals with. Russell Westbrook is one of the most um, high energetic superstars in sports, not just basketball, but in sports. And I understand why he garners a lot of anger from the opponent, opponent, uh, opposing fans. Yeah. 
especially on the road, things like that. You don't want to get in his head, very you know, because he's, he's very emotional. Yes. But my God, guys, there, there is a line that people just seem to cross. And it happened not once, but twice over the last week with Russell Westbrook in Utah. Mm-hmm. And I'm talking about jazz fans. There's a fan by the name of Sean, Sean, or Shane Kiesel or Kiesel, Kiesel, however you say his name. But last week or earlier this week, Russell Westbrook had an altercation with this fan. Uh, and supposedly this man's wife or it was just a woman next to him. It doesn't matter. Russell Westbrook was basically telling this guy that he was going to fuck him up and he was going to fuck up the lady next to him. Now, obviously, that's not probably the smartest thing Russell Westbrook needed to I say. I believe it, though. I and, believe well, it. Well, yeah, obviously, my money's I on Russ running away. Saying, but, but the thing is that Russell probably shouldn't have said what he said. <laughs> yeah. But once you actually dive into the situation, once you actually understand what was taking place, des- despite what Mr. Kiesel was saying to the reporters that asked him after the game, this man was saying racist and demeaning things to Russell Westbrook that no other human being should have to endure. And although I do believe Russell Westbrook should have handled the situation better and with a little bit more dignity in class and maybe just ignore this jackass, I understand his frustration. I understand why he is so upset. And his teammates came to his uh, defense and said, I heard those exact words without asking them what, or without telling them what Russell Westbrook had already told them in the claim. Dude, you could see it in the faces in the video. Yes. You yeah. could tell the disgust these, these players yeah, were having. And this guy straight up lied to this, lied to this reporter. Then this, I believe last night, if I'm not mistaken, they were back in Utah, the OKC Thunder were, and we have another fan. While Russell Westbrook's minding his own business, warming up, doing a little dance, you know, getting warmed up for the game. Like I said, he's a high-energy guy. And we literally hear this guy on recording saying, come on, boy. Calls him boy. Yeah. And as I've as I've as I've stated it many times, that is something. If you actually, I don't know, do a little research American yeah. history, you will see why that's not acceptable yeah. in our society to call an African American man boy. It's unacceptable. But this guy didn't just say it once; he said it twice until one of the uh, official crowd guys had to go over there and tell him to shut the hell up because Russell kindly asked the man to stop saying it. Didn't listen. He had to go get the officials to come over there and tell this dude, hey, you better quit or you're going to be kicked out. Well, that guy didn't get kicked out. But you know what did happen? Both him and Sean Ka- Shane Kiesel have both been banned from the Utah Jazz Arena for good. And you know what? God damn it, that is the right thing the Jazz need to do. The Absolutely. owner came out. The lady came out after, ironically, last night's game and said, this is not what we do here in Utah. Well, I would like to believe she's right, but unfortunately, we've had several situations in Utah yeah, with these types there. of situations. Right. So you know what? Unfortunately, because I don't believe it's all the fans, but Utah Jazz fans, you got to hold this L. Because I'm telling you guys hold right that. now, that's unacceptable. Y'all need to grow up out there in Utah. It's, you're not alone. I know their fan bases do this in other sports as well and even in the NBA, but y'all got to hold this L tonight yeah. and, f- and for the rest of this week because because it is, it's unacceptable this has even happened. I just have a, a runner-up, um, a nominee that didn't make the list. But There we go. Runner James up. Dolan. Oh, James Dolan, clutch. owner of the Knicks. I don't know if you guys saw that yes. clip. <laughs> my God. See, that's why I didn't pick if him, because I thought one of you guys were going to take I him. I almost did, but my goodness. I if this dumpster fire of a franchise and a dumpster fire of an owner could not get any worse. I, I mean, now he's turned on, on his own fans. His own fans are telling him to sell the team. And he's so butthurt. And so down to their level that he stops walking through the tunnel while this fan says sell the team. Completely innocent notion to say how he feels as a fan. Don't blame him. And then Dolan stops and talks to the fan and says, what's your name? Gets this information, blah, blah, blah. And then he turns to his, his entourage Minions. and says, yeah, ban this guy pretty yeah. much. And, and, and you think I should sell the team? Yeah. You it's think just, I should show the oh, team? what an embarrassing You like look. to watch games from home? Dude, you're at what? Possibly a billionaire? Yeah. And one of the best, one of the biggest franchises 
In sports, him and Kevin Durant deserve each other. It's unbelievable. (laughs) He's two snakes in the grass. I don't know, man. I think I think he's going to hurt their market as far as free agents. So we'll see how that. But I just wanted to throw that in there. That is that guy is such a douchebag, man. Fuck it, James Dolan. Hold Hold this L. Why not? Why not? I want to thank I want to thank my my co-host, big time uh, Eddie Ortiz, Trevor Twidwell for doing this with Yay. me, man. This has been, this has been great. It always, it's always easier to have guys on here that, you know, have that match the, the passion that I have that want to do this just like I do. And I, I honestly would not want to do it if it was just me. So I uh, thank you guys so much for always doing this with me every week. Yeah, I want to thank our special guest, Shaggy Shane Williams. Motherfucker Shane. Motherfucker Shane. That guy, <laughs> I, I love the dude. I can't express it enough. Go follow him, please guys. One of the, the, the I'll just say it, the best cheese fan around. Yeah. Uh, so just go ahead and follow him guys. Thank you so much, Shane, for coming on the show. Uh, our producer Clay Windler, thank you so much for everything you do with our audio side, man. Uh, your your uh, your value is immense, man. Thank you so much. And I also want to thank my little brother Brandon Twidwell for being here tonight. Uh, he didn't have anything to say on the on the mics tonight per se, but he's been doing a lot of our photography. So when you see the new photos that come out on our Instagram, on our Twitter account, you will know who actually took those photos. You will find so, out that we do the podcast naked. Yes. Yeah, so you will see <laughs> so, that we are actually a nude. And I'm so gonna be honest ready. with you. Yeah. Most of the angles Prepare are not good. Visuals. Get ready. Especially Eddie and I. We, I feel so – you know what? In fact, don't even look at our pictures. Maybe look at some of Trev's, but I'm just letting you know just, right now, unless you're into, unless you're chubby chasers, don't look at us. Just picture me as a gummy bear. I'm so sorry, Brandon, that you had a see. <laughs> definitely add – definitely use the zoom effect. Yeah. Brandon's going to edit him a little bit and give us some girth to certain areas and thin us out in others. So, <laughs> so in that – Guys, thank you so much for listening to us. Uh, it means the world. Uh, we're going to be doing this every Friday night. And that, uh, for Eddie Ortiz, for Trevor Twidwell, for Shaggy Shane, Clay Windler, my bu- my brother Brandon. Guys, we out of this bitch. See y'all later. We're going to get out of this bitch. Thank you so much for listening, guys. See y'all. You are tuned into the spoke. I might actually stick. I might actually stick around for a little bit.